We are go for liftoff in T minus 30. It's the Wheeliotis Podcast. I like it. All right, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Wheeliotis Podcast. It's great to have you back. Uh, of course, we've been a, a little bit of a hiatus, but, you know, it's good to be back. Uh, before we jump into movie news, recent watches, and, of course, the uh, the main movies of today, first want to bring on my very special co-host, the one and only Mikey Wheel. How you doing, my friend? Hi, special co-host. I like that. That's, that's special. A- a warm and welcome uh, uh, hello for the holiday season. So thank you. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah I feel like we should change our podcast name to Always on Hiatus, which sounds like a great punk rock band name, too. Um, yeah. Oh, man, that'd be a great name. That would be good. Um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, uh, you know, taking breaks. We're both busy with life, but we're back here again. Our our last episode, you know, we're still uh, excited about getting that one out there. We interviewed Mike P. Nelson um, about his latest movie, Wrong Turn. We talked about his other movie, um, uh, The Domestic. You can find both of those on Redbox Rental Digital right now. And then I checked out the other day. Wrong Turn is on Showtime as well. So I do want to watch that because I believe that's the unedited version that Mike talked about. Um, yeah, it's on Showtime, right? Showtime, yeah. Just, uh, yeah, I, which, I looked uh, it up. He mentioned, which is crazy, he mentioned in the uh, in, in that episode that I think he was like unaware that that was yeah. even on Showtime in the first place. So yeah, uh, it was the NC seventeen version where the head smashing scene is a uh, a lot more gruesome and uh, a lot longer. Um, and also, but yeah, I've been following him on Instagram, which is cool because he has a couple companies that uh, have sent him VHSs of the movies he's made. So they make his movies like they they format them onto a VHS. You can watch them on VHS, and then they make the VHS tape cover um, for the box look like a you know 80s movie so that that was super cool yeah um, such a cool thing and um yeah what what an episode too it was awesome having him on um yeah, awesome. very insightful you know he he was he was super kind to come on and and share his his you know production history and, and share all of his uh inspirations with us so i can't um, wait to see what he makes next to uh you know if he does do more wrong turn or domestics or anything in those universes or just anything else i'll just always be a fan um yeah we have a couple couple episodes coming up too that we're excited about um we're working on booking some people um uh, a couple different horror filmmakers which will be fun some b horror filmmakers we're gonna have some of our friends on uh gonna get on a a 90s podcast uh who's another friend of ours they talk about a lot of 90s movies um i think our next one we're gonna have uh one of the guys from discussion combustion on um they're a very funny podcast out of colorado i did their podcast twice i was the most viewed youtube video of, of theirs i had like thirty-five thousand plays in my video which is more than any of my youtubes have ever gotten and then I was beat out by uh, when they had one of the guys from Tiger King on. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Which just makes sense. And uh, yeah, so they just hit a million plays on YouTube. Uh, check them out. They always have a lot of different people of all different backgrounds on. They've had, uh, you know, chefs from 
competition shows. They have the Tiger King guy on. They have local people in Denver on. Um, so we're getting uh, Kevin on soon, and we'll probably get Arthur on for one of his movies as well. But I know Kevin wants to talk about Home Alone. There's also a new Home Alone out, you know. Um, oh, there is, Home- yeah, new Home Alone, which is crazy it that looks all right. they still yeah. made. You watched it? I haven't. No, it's got a good cast. Um, Rob Delaney, Ellie Kemper. It's got an interesting cast. Uh, I'm more like... Um, wait, is Ellie Kemper, is... is she like? Is she the mom or is she one of the actual like robbers? I think she's the mom. I don't know. I'm not too sure. Um, I've seen like some stills that she, that her and Rob Delaney put up. Um, and then let me see. What was the? I, I, this is why I love Google. I typed in Home Alone horror movie. Of course, it's going to be the trailer where they make it seem like a horror movie. But no, there was a, mo- a movie that came out a few years ago called Better Watch Out. Um, came out in 2016. Here's the premise. Ashley travels to the suburban home of the learners to babysit their 12 year old son, Luke, during the holidays. She must soon defend herself and the young boy when unwelcome intruders announce their arrival. Um, super graphic, super violent, super intense movie. Oh, it's got the, uh, the guy from, uh, stranger things in it. Uh, I don't even know how to pronounce his name. Dacry Montgomery. Oh, he's a, Oh yeah, yeah. The uh, he was in season three, right? He's the the redhead's brother. Yeah, the kind of bad guy. Yeah, yeah and then he's cool. It also has uh, Ed Oxenbold from it, who is in The Visit. That was like M Night Shyamalan's return in 2015. Oh. Wait, Ed Oxenbold he's... is he also in um that movie with uh trying to remember Jake Gyllenhaal? Which one are you thinking? I forget what it's called. Wildlife, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it, but I'm looking at his page My right now. Cool. Um, and that is on there. I remember uh, seeing that. I saw that back in um, at the Cannes Film Festival. That's a cool movie. He's great in it. Um, I I don't think I've seen anything else oh, it's from him. Directed by Paul Dano. I'm already in just off of that. I'll yeah. bookmark that for yeah. later. Um, yeah, definitely worth seeing. Um, but yeah, yeah I think there's like four. Home Alone one and two are of course worth it. This movie. I will say too. Um, I haven't seen it in quite a quite a while, but Home Alone three. I still have a soft spot for it um, because I feel like it's the only, like after, I feel like after three I've seen, I think I've seen four and that's it, it's, all there is, right? Just four. Um, well, there's four and then there's the newest one, but I think there might even yep. be another one thrown into the mix. But all I remember is like the fourth one was just really cheaply made. Felt like it was kind of a, like a made for TV at best, but uh, the third one still like uh. still had some really cool kind of gags and, um, I know Scar- young Scarlett Johansson's in it. It was like oh, 19- 1997. She was like a teenager in that movie. I do remember uh, it. It's got yeah. a good cast. It's got a good cast. The main kid's good. Yeah. So there was Home Alone 1 and 2 in 1992. Home Alone 3 in 1997. It took a couple years off again. Home Alone 4 in 2002. 2012, they had a, a little girl, Home Alone. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Home Alone for the Holidays. or the holiday. Yeah, the Holiday Heist. Uh, Ed Asner's in it. Wow, Malcolm McDowell, and then the yeah. new one. So who is in the third one? Home Alone three. We have Scarlett Johansson, um, Alexander Krupa. I think I've heard of him. I think the main kids. The you know you remember that movie Max Keebler's Big Move or whatever. Yeah, I think I, he was a big child star, right? Yeah, at least yeah, like late nineties, early two thousands. I think with with that movie. But um, yeah, I just remember watching that one a lot. Um. And uh, I don't know, like I said, just as far as the gags go and the, the general setup, it felt more in line with the first two. Um, and then after that, they all just kind of felt like really cheaply made. And I, I think also it's funny because um, 
a lot of the gags in the first one, I feel like you can't really do in a kid's movie today. Like, some of them are, hell, even um, Daniel Stern, like, stepping on the nail or whatever, like, when he's going up the stairs, like, you know, I don't know, there's a certain, like, certain, uh, like, gags in it that I feel like wouldn't it's, fly today necessarily. Um, it's violent. And yeah. Uh, you know what's cool about the original Home Alone? I just feel like we're just going to cover everything for our next episode. Yeah. The original Home Alone, there are people posting things that they've realized they never knew. Some people are posting that they didn't know that Joe Pesci was the cop in the beginning, which most people picked up on. You know, Joe Pesci shows up as the cop. He's, you know, you know, preparing to raid the houses and all of that. But something I didn't, I don't think I remember, was um, when one of them spills the orange soda when they're eating pizza. Uh, the mom or whoever it is cleans up the orange soda with a paper towel and she wipes Kevin's ticket into the trash can. Did you, oh. did you know that? I don't think I ever knew uh, that. In the first one? In the first one, there's like a still online you can see where as she's wiping it for like half a second, you just see like Kevin McAllister plane ticket and that gets thrown oh, in the trash. That's, that's a cool feature. I don't, uh, I don't, I don't think I ever noticed that, honestly. And then also, I guess, so, so that. They didn't have his ticket, so that's one reason they didn't like uh, remember him getting on the plane or not. And then the second one, the second kind of background of it is that what was it? It was something about when they were getting on the plane, there was another kid lost at the airport that was in their group. So when they were doing the head count, they counted enough people, but didn't realize the other kid was not Kevin. Uh, so it's okay. not completely on the parents altogether. I mean, they probably should have. Kevin probably should have been taken away. <laughs> right, yeah. Services, but yeah, yeah. Child services, yeah. It's an but interesting movie. No, for sure. I it's gonna be fun to talk about. Um and with that said, do you have any anything going on movie news wise that interests you or I got a couple stories. I was gonna say, as always, I have a lot more what I've been watching. I'll try to keep that short when we get to it. Um I think you and I we briefly discussed we have a lot of movie news we want to talk about together. So I'll let you kick it off and then uh uh, I'll finish off with whatever we didn't talk about after. Sure. I'll start with one that, you know, because again, it has been about a little over a month, um, month and a half since we last did this. So I'll, I'll talk about some stuff that was kind of released in the past few weeks. But um, I know that it was officially announced that uh, Jonah Hill will be starring in the new um, Martin Scorsese movie about Jerry Garcia, or I guess more specifically about the Grateful Dead uh, band, which is pretty cool uh, because, you know, Jonah Hill obviously has, has worked with, Scorsese before in the Wolf of Wall Street as a supporting uh, actor and now to have him have his own movie with him I think is, is pretty crazy and uh, you know Jonah's just come a long way and I'm gonna, I mean, I'm very interested and I think also this if I'm not mistaken this is the first um, kind of like uh, bio, bio about like a musician or a band that Scorsese's done I know Scorsese has made a couple documentaries I think mm. he's made a Beatles one he's made uh, uh, This Last Waltz I believe so he's made a couple uh, documentaries but not an actual like yeah bio about a specific band or or musician so that should that's, be pretty unique and also it's from you know grateful dead late 60s kind of like counterculture you know that that feels right up you know scorsese's land i mean he's literally, he's literally like that's like all the music he ever uses for his movies or like within that kind of like realm like late 60s early 70s so it's, I feel like this will be just be like a perfect project for him. Hopefully it's a movie where if you told me there was a Jerry Garcia biopic coming out, I'd say I could not give any less of a shit about that. I'm not a Grateful Dead fan or any of that. I don't I really like, know much of their music. Honestly, they're I like them now because they have John Mayer in their band. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I, um, yeah. They're, um, I, it, 
Yeah, it's more just because, I don't know, I just never got around to it. But I've heard a couple of their songs, but I don't know their music that well. I, f- um, I feel like Grateful Dead, I've never listened to much of them. I feel like their fan base is like the Dave Matthews. Well, I've, I've heard a lot of Dave Matthews, and I like Dave Matthews. But I feel like the fan base of the Grateful Dead is similar to like Jack Johnson and Guster and all of that. Where just like, you know the people who like those bands, and you're just like, nope. I do. I would not want to go to concert and be around all of this. Like that is not the demographic I want to be with. Um, right. They, yeah, but, they seem very diehard. Um, very, you know. If if Scorsese's going his route with this too, it'll be a four hour long movie, and about two and a half hours of those movies will be way too long. <laughs> like just not needed. <laughs> I'm excited. I'll see it. I think I think Jonah Hill could definitely get into character for that pretty easily. So that'll be good. I'm excited. And then Scorsese's working on his other movie where Jesse Plemons just became the lead lead of it. He was making that movie out in the Midwest. I think is that um, Killers of the Flower Moon. I did mention yes. that like a yes. while back. That yeah, one, we yeah. talked about that. Wasn't Leo supposed to be it, and then Jesse Plemons stepped into the lead role or something? I think so. Yeah, I mean, I think um, yeah, you might be right about that. But yeah, that that has a um, that has a really really awesome cast because yeah um, yeah. So obviously Leo's in it. Uh, Robert De Niro, Jesse Plemons, um, also couple months ago month month and a half ago i think what's his name was announced as well um brendan frazier as well really hell yeah. yeah which is awesome yeah because obviously he is in like the the beginning of what people call the um i don't know if people are calling you know it's like his renaissance essentially like you know and a lot of actors like mcconaughey has has had his in the past and people are saying that brendan is on course to have his own because obviously he's going to be in the new scorsese he's also going to be in the new I think he's. I think he's going to be in the new um, Aronofsky. Yeah, Darren Aronofsky movie as well. I, I'm sorry. I saw a list the other day that was. I don't even remember what the list was. It was like top ten. Oh, it was some very famous director talking about like the top twenty movies that he thinks everybody needs to see, and he put Mother on the list. And I was just like, no, I don't take this seriously anymore. Like that. Uh, have you seen that movie? The Mother. Yeah. What the what was that was the like i think the worst movie i've ever seen like worse than steven spielberg's ai oh it's not the worst movie it's it's great dude it's like yeah i mean i'll I'll say the worst thing about it is probably that it's so like on the nose with its like allegories and and and, you know every character being related to like a biblical figure like that's all very much like look look on the nose but it's a great like like, too obvious on the nose you mean right too just obvious like it, yeah, yeah it's it, like it holds your hand way too much throughout the whole movie yeah but with that said i like it because it's it's fucking crazy like it, it's almost like its own like it's almost like its own art exhibition piece you're just what you it just every every minute that goes by you're like what's happening like why is this happening and i don't know Darnofsky obviously he knows what he's doing he knows how to frame a shot he knows how to create like really yeah. really crazy energy in his movies so like i remember the first time i saw it i i literally had no idea what was happening and i I, I didn't know what it was about. I did, I purposely didn't read into it or watch the trailer. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I thought it was it was just like it was just crazy and a lot of fun to watch. Um, I saw it in theaters and was just like I walked out like why why would I ever pay for that? What did I just watch? That was too artsy fartsy for me. Way too like trying too hard, trying too hard to have nothing there. And I I mean Darren Aronofsky and Danny Boyle, you know, Train Spotting and Requiem for a Dream, and then I think Noah and Slumdog or something. I forget what it was the exact year but like they're always up against each other at oscar season you know because uh no because noah well i know um no noah was 2014 some dog was like 2008 i think yeah um, what would noah have been alongside 
I know Danny Boyle came out with something in oh Trance. Well, Trance came out 2013, 2014. So Which that one was that. Trance. That's with uh, I oh, think yeah, James yeah. McAvoy. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah. But I love the two of them. Just that one movie to me. I was like, him and Jennifer Lawrence are dating. They made a movie together. I can't wait to see this. And then I was just like, this is one of those like you do one for them. And then you do one solely for you and nobody else in the world. What I liked about it was uh, what I like about Aronofsky too. Um, you know, just talking about how he does, uh, I guess, other religious movies like Noah is the, how he made Noah. He was in like third grade or something. And I just remember reading about this and he like learned the story of Noah and was like, I want to make a movie about this one day and just like stuck with it. <laughs> and then, you know, made it in Hollywood and was like, Hey guys, I want like hundreds of millions of dollars. I'm going to get Emma Watson. We're gonna make a Noah Flood movie, so it was pretty cool. Which like, again was also cool because his his, uh, his vision to me, like Darnowski has has such a strong vision. Like you, there isn't like I don't think there's a single movie of his that just feels like uh, visually like feels flat. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you know, like everything yeah, is like yeah. this is Darren Aronofsky. So uh, even Noah, I liked quite a bit, but um, but yeah, no, um, but no, going back to uh, Brendan Fraser, yeah, like he, I I hope. You know, like it's cool like, the, to see him working with all these directors again and kind of coming back out. So, um, I love Brendan Fraser. He's in some of my favorite episodes of Scrubs. If you have not seen ooh. those episodes, I, I don't want to give away anything. That's one thing. Nice. I no, I've, about, I've, but... I've not seen much of Scrubs, um, but I probably should watch it. It's one of those shows I should go back and watch because you're like the 10th person that has told me to watch it. Free on Hulu, baby. Free on Hulu if you pay for Hulu. Uh, um, Yes, I mean, what else? Uh, I just want to wrap up to Jesse Plemons and all of that. Jesse Plemons is just in a movie called Power of the Dog. It's a Netflix movie. It's not my speed for a movie. Um, I'll probably watch it just because it's Benedict. It's Kirsten Dunst. It's Jesse Plemons. One of the cool Uh, things Cumberbatch too, right? Yeah, so Cumberbatch, I believe, gave himself tobacco poisoning twice on set of the movie because he had to like chew tobacco and like how do you get tobacco poisoning i have no idea but i remember reading about that and then uh kirsten dunce and benedict cumberbatch didn't talk to each other the whole time they're making the movie because i guess the i think the movie is their brothers jesse plemons marries kirsten dunce benedict cumberbatch does not like his brother sister so like on set i think they were like very uh, rude to each other or just very like they didn't pay attention to each other and then after it wrapped it was like hey Good, good, Interesting. Good working I, with you. I definitely want to check it out. Um, I don't know much about the director, um, Jane Campion. I know I've heard her name brought up so many times. Um, she has you know pretty big filmography. Um, but yeah, I I don't know much about her, but I'll definitely check it out. And you said it's on Netflix. Netflix, Netflix original movie. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'll definitely check that out. Um, yeah, and uh, I guess another bit of very recent news. Uh, the other day, um, new trailer for Sonic the Hedgehog two came out. And I can't believe it was that quick. I know, really, seriously. And we talked about it in another episode because we were we really liked the first one. Surprisingly, like even after all the the stuff that went through with the redesigns and everything, like it end they'd end up producing something pretty funny. And I think it rode the line between being like kind of a cutesy family movie, but also still like for anyone that ever like played Sonic or liked Sonic, it's still you you know they didn't forget about the fans. And I fucking love Sonic, man. Like those games are awesome. I used to play, I mean, one of my friends, you know, he introduced me, I remember way back in the day, you know, Sega Genesis, and this was, you know, well after the Sega Genesis came out, but we were playing, you know, the original game, Sonic and Tails, or not, Sonic 1, 2, through, Sonic 1 through 3, and then Sonic and Knuckles, and... Sonic Pinball is fantastic. Oh, yeah, Sonic Pinball is awesome. Oh, yeah. my God. Oh, I think, 
I think we should bring up we are going to do a video game movie podcast at some point because there's a new Mario movie coming out, which for that episode, we need to revisit the original Super Mario movie with John Leguizamo and fucking Yoshi. I mean, that movie is a train wreck of brilliance. Um, It looks, I mean, I, yeah, I will say I've never watched in full. I've seen like, I've seen bits of it. Yeah. Uh, and it just looks wild. I, I'm really, I really want to watch it. And also, I, what's his name? So it's, it's yeah, John Leguizamo is Luigi, right? And then, um, John H- Hopkins, right? What's his name? He's the bad guy. Yeah, Dennis, it's uh, Dennis, Bob, Bob Hoskins, Bob, right? Bob Hoskins. Yeah. Yeah. Bob Hoskins, which is crazy because that dude's a great actor. Um, and I'm, and yeah, I'm, I'm definitely excited. And I'm also like, I, like most people, I'm like, what the fuck is, uh, the new Mario going to sound like with Chris <sighs> Pratt playing him? It's animated, right? I think so. I think or it's going to be fully animated. If they do it SpongeBob style, I'd be a little more excited. I watched the last SpongeBob recently. I think it's free on Paramount Plus. Mm-hmm. Um, the last one, Sponge Out of Water. Just like the last one, it's like mixed with live action. And this oh, one has yeah. Keanu Reeves playing a sage dressed up in sage and his name is sage and it's a couple <laughs> other good cameos. And it's just, it's very funny. The SpongeBob movies. Um, but uh, yeah, the new Sonic, I can't wait for. I'm so excited that Jim Carrey is returning because He's one of those people that like you could definitely see him doing one Sonic and being like, nope, not touching a sequel. And then they're like, where do we go from here? But it's got Jim Carrey reprising his role. James Marsden's in it. Everybody's back in it. And then this one, Dr. Robotnik pulls in um, Knuckles as the other other bad guy. And Sonic now pulls in Tails as his ally. So they're bringing in a lot of characters. And again, Um, that's that's more in line with the games. Because it's funny, I saw an article... Might have been, I don't know if it was the AV Club or something, but they were like, um, they were like, oh, this new Sonic movie. They're like, they they make you know Knuckles a villain, which is a departure from the games. And then the whole all the comments were like, who the hell wrote this? Like, because you know, I think up until Sonic Heroes, Knuckles was like was always the antagonist. Like, he was always against uh, Sonic. So it's cool that they kept that. Obviously, uh, Idris Elba, very unique choice. I love Idris, so that's kind of is cool. he Knuckles? He's Knuckles. Yeah. Who's Tails? I, I don't know. I haven't looked it up yet. I actually, uh, I was trying to like figure out just by watching the trailer because his voice sounds very familiar. Um, but he sounds great. They both sound great. Um, oh, and yeah. I'm also really happy. I mean, this was teased at the end of the first one, but um, Jim Carrey now looks like, doc, you know, Eggman. He looks like Dr. Yeah. Robotnik, like the actual true Robotnik. So it's, it's awesome. It looks really fun. Uh, Colleen O'Shaughnessy. It looks like she's played mm. Tails maybe in another animated uh, uh, show or something. But yeah, I guess she's a voiceover actor that they cast for this role. Um, oh, I'm cool. super excited. I, I think they shot themselves in the foot with the first movie because with how bad the designs were, nobody was confident enough to see it. I mean, I've, I do not know many people have seen Sonic, the movie, because they're like, oh, that piece of garbage with the thing and the thing. And I'm like, <laughs> Please try it. Like, I probably I mean... it's really good. And everybody's like, nope. And I'm like, I... I mean, I like I laughed my ass off during the first half of that movie. It's extremely funny, and Baby Sonic in the beginning. It did pretty good though, right? Because I thought that um this came out like this came out so this came out like a month before lockdown, you know, pandemic and everything. And I remember it still made quite a bit of money. I think it still hit like three hundred million or something on like a ninety million budget and. I was gonna say they're making a sequel already in two years. So I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, I think you're right though. Like, I think that like that initial design and like it turned a lot of people off. But um, yeah, you know, like us, I think most people I talked to are like, no, the 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 final product was surprisingly good. Um, Yeah. And I think the second one honestly looks a lot better as far as again being more in line with the games. Um, Some some of the action looks really cool in it too. Like it's a good it's a good blend again of like. 
of like CGI characters in like a real real world setting. So I like how they introduced the coins and there's still the loop de loops and everything. So oh like yeah, that, that that part's really exciting about it too. Um, I'm just gonna leave my oh there we go. The screen. I just gotta set up my green screen behind me. Um, oh, yeah. uh, you, have, you have anything else for movie news? Um, uh, nothing. You know, Spider Man's coming out. Spider Man's coming out. I think next week. The new one. Tom Holland yeah. just signed on for another trilogy of Spider Man movies, which is super exciting. Um, still gotta watch them. I still haven't seen any of the new um, Spider Man, which is crazy because he's always been like one of my favorite. Comic I need to go back and revisit the last one with Jake Gyllenhaal because I never finished it. I just got super bored with it. But this one's going to be great. I mean, this one's going to bring everybody back. Yeah, and you, and you know Toby's going to be in it. Like, obviously. To- Toby, like, I feel like it's, I don't know. He's, I know it's still like up in the air, but he, he's got to be in it. Him and Andrew Garfield. I saw a post the other day. I think it was one of my Facebook friends where they posted saying that like every nerd out there. Oh, no, it was, it was a comedian. I think it was the comedian. I think Mike Lawrence posted it. Yeah. Uh, uh, somebody I follow on Instagram. And he said that like all these nerds were like when Andrew Garfield got cast Spider-Man, they were like, this is the worst decision. I hate this. He's terrible. I have no interest. And now all of those same people are like, if he doesn't come back, he's <laughs> the Spider-Man movie. Yeah, I'm right. Like, that's yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah. Honestly, the, yeah. Did, did you Resident see the Garfield out. movies? Garfield? Yeah, the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies. Oh, I was like, that's such a weird transition. I was like, Bill Murray? Yeah, Bill, Murray like Bill Murray signed on to do the Garfield movies because he um, got the director's name wrong. Like, the director's name had the same like last name as somebody else he knew and liked. So mm-hmm. he signed on thinking he was going to be working with that director. And it was a totally oh. different person. He had no idea. <laughs> I also just learned. He, I, this kind of upsets me. I just learned that he wasn't supposed to be in Zombieland. They had one big actor who fell through. Then another big actor. That one that like is unnamed fell through. And then like last minute, I think Woody Harrelson called up Bill Murray or something. And he was like, yeah, I'm in town. I'll come shoot it. Oh, nice. that ca- I mean, two camp surprise cameos in the history of film. Tom Cruise and Tropic Thunder playing Les Grossman mm-hmm. and uh, Bill Murray in, in Zombieland. I mean, I can't think of anything that has made me like laugh, cry, and almost wet myself more than that scene in Zombieland. Oh, it's, it's classic. And I think that's oh. what you just said there about how it was so last minute. I think that's part of like the brilliance of it where yeah. like yeah. they just had like there wasn't like planned. It just was like quick on your feet oh shit we have access to bill murray let's obviously make this happen could you uh, imagine it any other way like in any other alternate universe if it were anybody else it could have been the best actors ever actresses and i would have been like yeah it would have been better as bill I know, it'd have to be like <laughs> somebody else that's a, a enigma like bill murray i don't know it'd have to be like nobody. al pacino or something but now you're right nobody's like uh bill murray so Bill Murray, um, I mean, you and I could get Bill Murray in one of our movies. Uh, Bill Murray does not have an agent, does not have a manager, does not uh, do anything like that. The only way he does movies is you have to call his phone and leave a message on the answering machine. And if he likes your pitch, he'll return your call. So, like, anybody has the potential to get Bill Murray in their movie if you have a good enough pitch. In the words of uh, Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum in 21 Jump Street, you do have the right to be an attorney. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> God, those movies, man. So uh, what do you what do you have for uh, for what do you what have you been watching? What do you uh, besides Breaking Bad, of course? Yeah, what, well, what, what surprisingly, you, you I've been get? watching more shows. I'll, <laughs> I'll get to I'll get to those in a sec. But uh, movie wise, yeah, there's been a lot of new movies I've watched in the past month or so. Um, actually, I'm going to bring up a list here because I want to kind of go in order. But I know. 
One of them I saw was um, Eternals, new MCU movie. Um, you, how was it? Honestly, pretty good. Um, scene, yeah. I would say so. I mean, you know, I have such a like tumultuous like relationship with these movies because like I I'm like I don't know I I know they, it's funny because they're all like so well received. All these movies get like critical acclaim, and yet I feel like they get forgotten about pretty easily. You know, like Kishang Chi was was fine but again like i don't really remember too much from it honestly uh, whoa whoa uh, i was gonna bring up seeing shang chi you thought uh, it was fine you don't remember it just came out and you forgot about it already i mean i remember some stuff about it but like i'll say this much visually shang chi might be one of the better mcu movies um, i have not seen the new mulan movie i have no interest in the new mulan live action i haven't seen the live no, action I'm, I'm not interested in any of those the live action remakes. lion king i thought was garbage um anyway that being said i haven't seen the new mulan movie i know they don't have the little cricket in it or the dragon i don't think but i feel like shang chi they should have used half of that movie to make the new live action mulan because the dragons were cool i mean like i i loved it i loved it because i just finished watching um uh kim's convenience with the star of shang chi um aquafina i like i think she's a funny yeah, she, kind of she's, she's good in it i like her as the sidekick in movies i didn't know if i was gonna love her as like a whole entire like main character i really i mean she adds a lot of humor to it he adds a lot of humor her becoming an avenger now i think is super exciting i thought there was gonna be some twist in there where, like she was born into it but like nope she just learned some archery and is now an avenger um, all right well i'll say this much i think i like i really like the um the sort of dynamic between shang chi and like his father like yeah, that, that's a good, super interesting yeah, yeah. There, there's a good dynamic there i wish it maybe was a little bit more i don't know there was a little more to it but um i don't know I, I, just, I, I guess my biggest thing with it okay maybe this movie is more than just fine but i guess my issue like with most mc movies it just it just has to follow suit you know they all have to kind of they all have to fit into this grander universe and to me like not that that's inherently a problem but when you do that you literally have to you kind of forsake your own identity you forsake the the identity of, of an individual movie and i don't know these movies tend to just kind of feel feel like a, maybe a little bit too similar and um again follow that template they all kind of have similar sounding jokes they i don't know this the structure is just too similar in a lot of these movies um so it's like i don't know that's why again that's kind of why i like the Eternals a little bit more even though Eternals still has a lot of issues with it um Kumon and Johnny. That that's why I wanted to see Eternals. And, and he's also great. That, it also has the first gay Avengers, right? Gay Avenger. Um, or, or first first male, male and male, uh, man on man. Yeah, so that's Avengers um, movie. that's that's within uh Brian Terry Henry's character. Yeah, he's and, great. He's hilarious. And is it is he is he a comedic relief in that, or is it more just Kumon and Johnny? Pretty much, you know. He he like yeah. I'd say the two of them are kind of more comedic relief. Um. And, like, I don't know, to me, here's the thing that, like, my problem with Eternals, though, like, even though, like, visually, it was, it's also one of the, I think, visually, like, that, Eternals and Shang-Chi are some of the better-looking MCU movies, and Eternals, because, the, like, at the end, you know, instead of, like, fighting in, like, in, like, boring cities and, you know, like, all that, they're, they're on, like, this, like, grand, epic beach, and, like, it just, it looks really cool. I, I, I don't know, though, I think... I think the only problem is like you, the, the Eternals might have one of the heavier like narratives to where you're dealing with like literally like gods, these, these people that have been around for like 
who got you know who knows how long like millions of years or whatever they're like inc- oh, wow. even longer that's, than that that's too long the guy in shang chi the dad lived a thousand years that's too long i know he literally like, got he got bored of just destroying the whole world it was like <laughs> i'm gonna settle down with a nice lady now yeah <laughs> i think just um so it's like yeah you're, you're it's like you're dealing and again they got chloe zhao who like you know can definitely like mm-hmm. deal with these kind of concepts i just think there's so many moments in the movie that don't feel like we're watching these these like larger than life characters, and maybe again maybe that's because they have to interject that like typical Marvel humor where it's you know you have these like funny reactions or whatever. But um, I don't know. And even even the initial scene, the initial scene when they all like showcase their powers, it's not like as cool as it should be. Even though later in the movie when you start seeing them use their powers again, it it becomes a lot like more creative in how they how they utilize them. But um. You know, I'm all about that when it comes to movies. Like, you know, you want to have a strong start, and like the start of Eternals is just like, you know, a little bit, little bit of like text, you know, basic exposition, and then showing off some of their powers in like a sort of cool but not super impressive way. Um, but like, like I said, like acting performance wise was pretty great, and I thought uh, Kamal was actually one of the better performers. In he this got side. jacked for this role, man. Yeah, jacked. he's gonna be one of those people who doesn't do stand up for like thirty years because he's starring in every movie, and then he's gonna be like sixty, and Netflix is gonna give him like a hundred million dollars to do a stand up thing, and like he'll go on tour again. Everybody's gonna be like, "Oh my god, this is like when Eddie Murphy and Robin Williams <laughs> returned to stand up." Um, yeah, I don't have a crazy interest in it, but I'll tell you why I do want to see it. One, when it hits Disney Plus for free, I'm on board. I want to watch it because I just watched Shang Chi, which I loved. I love the endings, staying for the final scene. I just watched WandaVision, so I'm like nerding out on Marvel right now. That's why I want to add Eternals to the list. I even want to watch Black Widow because it's free on Disney Plus, and I have no interest in Black Widow. Um, uh, just like Hawkeye. Hawkeye and Black Widow to me sound like the two most boring things in the world. Well, Hawkeye, Hawkeye looks kind of cool just because it looks like a departure from everything. But I haven't I do... seen the trailer, so I'm sure it looks cool. Maybe I'll go back. I like Haley Steinfeld and whatever. But like to me, that's like having a Harry Potter spinoff about two moguls in harry potter like imagine there's like they're at the train station and they're about to run through the wall and there's just two people about to get on the train that are just normal people that aren't wizards and now we have two spin-off movies and shows i'm sorry i i get i know black widow no wait does black widow die um... yeah she dies on the the planet she sacrifices herself lets hawkeye live because he has the family she saved himself oh but yeah okay, okay how did black widow and hawkeye live that long through ultron and all of the other things and all of the avengers movies when they have no powers they jump and they shoot stuff and you're yeah. gonna tell me that they are surviving i just I, their storyline's boring well again that, I, that, that's kind of another like issue i have with all these movies is that the the there's like inconsistency with like certain characters and you're like no don't get me wrong like you know um black widow is like a world-class fighter uh hawkeye is arguably has the best shot in the entire world in this universe like he can look i mean god in, even in the first avengers he shoots an arrow from a plane with like a usb attached to it into a fucking usb port you know like so i'm like all right so he has he has the you know so sounds i understand like a home depot it sounds like an office depot commercial <laughs> i know right yeah <laughs> um but you know I, I know what you're saying that you're like yeah despite being world-class fighters like yeah they don't have special but they, they they can't they can't create shields in front of them they can't blast crazy atomic power they can't do any of that kind of stuff so it's like so it's like yeah like, how have they survived this long i guess is a good oh. point 
Ultron just brought down 10 of his alien allies to come down. They shoot fireballs and are indestructible. And then Scarlett Johansson does like a backflip and then shoots them and they all just die. And you're just like, oh, sure, that makes complete sense. Yeah, that gives me hope for when aliens come down to destroy humanity and that we have two people who are just pretty good at martial arts who are just going to save the whole world. Yeah, I do yeah. like I do like Linda Cardellini and the whole like Hawkeye going back to his family and the farm life. And I think I'm guessing that's what the show explores a lot, which will be interesting. I also could be lying, but I, I think I'm going to skip around. I watch WandaVision. Did you watch it? I did. Yeah. It's like one of the most brilliant things I've ever seen. It's just so unreal. Every episode watching the theme song, which is made by the same people. I think it's a husband and wife or sibling. Yeah. The, um, like Uh, the first like four or five episodes. Yeah. are like all like the different decades of television. They like kind of snuck in a full house one with Elizabeth Olsen. (sighs) Yeah. I was like full house and, uh, 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 step by step kind of. And and a Malcolm in the middle one, which was like super surprising. So good. Yes. It's exactly. Yeah. Definitely Malcolm in the middle. Um, so I love that. I think I'm going to hop around because it suggested Loki next. I don't know the exact order. All I know is that I really, 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 really want to watch, um, Winter Soldier and Black Falcon next. I don't care much for Loki. Don't care for Hawkeye. Don't care for. I think there's one more Marvel show. Like for me, I'm personally more interested in Loki at this point than the rest, just because I think Tom Hiddleston's Loki is like one of the best. Yeah, he's fun. He's one of the best realized characters, in my opinion, in the MCU. Um, He's fun, but Hawkeye and and I mean the cast of Hawkeye and that Winter Soldier, but it takes place like immediately after everybody's returned. So a lot of, from what I've heard from friends, a lot of the show revolves around like them dealing with, you know, people coming back after five years and trying to, yeah. What were you yeah. saying about, what were you saying about Loki? No, just like, um, other than, you know, really liking Tom Middleston's performance. I, I like the concept behind, like, I don't know much about it yet. Other than like, there's like the time, like police or something. And Owen Wilson's like the head of that who like, you know, is oh, going yeah. into different multiverses and like trying to like stop stuff from expanding and becoming worse and i don't know to me that that's a cool concept and obviously that's kind of the next this is like the current phase of marvel the whole like multiverse now it's gonna be in spider-man and so we'll see how like create creative and and kooky that all gets but we uh, need to make a youtube video of owen wilson just saying wow and that's how he blasts himself into other universes he's like wow we're we're going into outer space wow (laughs) Wait, so how do you teleport? Um, I just say one word. What's the word? Wow. Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does our work? Nope. What if you say wow backwards? Yes. Ah, uh, yes. Yep. Mom doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So you been what? What else you been watching? You got a list going. So on. other movies. Um, Spencer. Um, with uh, Kristen Stewart playing yeah, Princess Diana. Um, really great. Honestly, one of my favorites of the year. Like, um. Pablo Lorraine, who also made, um, uh, what did he make? Shit. Jackie. Made Jackie back in 2016. Um, and great director. And I don't know, this movie's crazy because it's, it's sort of semi-fictional, I guess, if you want to call it, because it's sort of an imagined scenario of, of, um, of, of Princess Diana, like on like a specific weekend dealing with her family. And it's almost set up like a, sort of like a psychological horror movie because she, like the way they shoot their uh, their palace, it's almost always surrounded by fog. It looks like it's in like this like netherworld almost, like existing on its own. Um, she obviously is having a hard time sticking with the traditions of her family. It's kind of eating her, tearing her apart. Kristen Stewart's amazing. It looks beautiful. 
it's again surprisingly like kind of spooky and like out there i really really love that one also i was gonna uh, ask that what the what the what it covers like i didn't know if it was like up to her death or just like one event no, or her it, whole life it, i think it's actually like four or five years before her death and it, it's not it's not a traditional biop like in any way it doesn't follow her from childhood until her death or anything it's just, it, it's just as one which i like more because i think it gives more rain for, for like for christian stewart to really tap into the character and and not have to rush through all these like different scenarios or, di- or different events in her life um but yeah, it's cool. And obviously it's like super anti, it's like super anti, like, um, you know, like her family and everything, which I thought was interesting. Like they don't like all of her family, they mostly showcase in this kind of like, in this light of, of, of always being unaccepting of her and, and not, um, you, you know, like, like not understanding why she's not kind of fitting in her role. Her royal family, just her royal not, family, yeah. Like they're all yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. showcased as like tradi- super traditionalist, like elitist, yeah. you know. So uh, I'm I curious that, about what her family thought. You know what I'm saying? Like I know, I'm really yeah. interested what they thought. Does, so are, are the kids are are the sons in it? Are they children in this movie? Are they not born? Yeah, because it's like the early '90s, so they're like seven, eight years old. I want to say, um, yeah, or maybe a little older. But yeah, around the, around that age. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it's great. It's definitely one of my favorites of the year. Uh, also, I finally saw Venom too. What'd Venom, you think? Let them be Carnage. It was fun. I uh, loved it. Fun and funny. I mean, very, very funny. Yeah, very I, funny. I think they they like you. Were, I remember you mentioning it last time. They really nailed like the the kind of banter between Venom and and, and you know Hardy and like super well done. Um, the the buddy buddy formula of like two buddies being best friends and then at one point they have a falling out they go their own separate ways venom literally leaves him and goes clubbing and into a bunch of bodies oh yeah, people yeah who everybody dies who, who can't take care of venom and, and be you know have venom but it's literally the buddy buddy recipe like the trope of of the the buddy buddy comedy of like they're best friends, then they have a falling out, and then they realize that they truly do need each other, and then they come back together at the end. Like, it's very unique and just, I mean, just so funny. And what I like about it is, like, he still doesn't know how to control Venom. And that's what I like. Like, the whole cooking scene in the beginning and all of that. Like, that's what I really like about the movie. Is like, there's still another two or three Venom movies that could come out where, like, he's still learning how to control him. It's not like movie one is kind of a sloppy, funny movie. And then movie two, he's like, I got Venom. Like, they're still hot messes together. And that's what I really liked about it. Yeah, which is great. Because that's that's unique. That's more interesting to watch. And um, you're right. I know there's... Like he mentions, Venom mentions at one point that the only, you know, he needs brains to survive. Basically, that's like there's like a chemical, there's some kind of something in brains and chocolate for some reason that like enable, you know, it's it's like it's his food. It's the only thing he can eat that sustains his life. Um, So there's all bits about that. Woody Harrelson having fun with this super like, you know, crazy villain, very over the top, like in in a good way great backstory um, i love the revenge yeah stories he has a cool know. backstory for sure um and for the most part all, all the action was really cool um really like pretty crazy stuff especially the obviously the fight between carnage and venom so i liked it a lot and obviously like doesn't overstate it's welcome it's like a nice 90 minutes really like, really short especially for modern comic book movies um and it, it ties into everything else right um like the Marvel movies, I think it has oh, scenes and all of that. Well, and... so well, I guess spoiler now, but that's 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 at the end of that's at the post credit scene when uh, what, what was it? 
All right, so if you don't, yeah, skip ahead a couple of minutes if, or a minute if you don't want to hear it, because uh, <laughs> basically, yeah, so the post credit, um, they're, I think they're like, yeah, they're just chilling. Like they go, like I think he literally goes to like a resort in Hawaii or something. They're just like, you know, they're they're chilling, and then on TV, like something happens, like the whole like their environment changes and like what the fuck's going on. Then they turn on TV and then it's revealed that's you know Spider Man's uh, identity is revealed as Peter Parker. And then, you know, Venom's like, I'm going to get you or something. And then it ends. And like, so they, yes. they tie directly pretty much to the new Spider-Man movie, which I thought was crazy. Yeah. Um, it is the only movie in between them, except for Eternals, right? Uh, Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. So I thought that was that was crazy. And I'm interested to see how that what they do with that. I don't know. Yeah, because, I mean, Venom was in the Spider-Man movies. I mean, uh, e- emo Tobey Maguire, he could be coming back. Oh, true. Uh, and and Topher Grace. And Topher Grace is Venom. That'd be yes. great. If, if like everyone just came back, like um, yeah, it's a Grace. three hour movie. I mean, I, it's playing at the drive-ins near me next weekend. And I saw somebody commented like, what else, like what else is playing with this? And they were like, nothing. It's three hours long. I've seen memes like, where it's like, um, you know, they have like the, 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 the portal that's in the MCU movies. And, and like the person that's coming out of it is the, uh, the landlord from the Spider-Man movies. And it just says rent, you know, like they, <laughs> they should have him. They should just have everybody. Um, Fuck yeah, J- J.K. Simmons, Sam Huntington, the uh, oh yeah, yeah, Brandon Ruth. No, wait, that's Superman. But still, uh, I guess that's no, fuck that's it. Bring DC. bring DC in to merge I'm it all. My... Yeah, to where it's all headed anyway, I guess. Um, but yeah. no, that that movie was cool. And then um, just to say quickly, other stuff I've seen very recently. Uh, I saw Come On, Come On, which is the new Walking Phoenix movie. That was sweet, really nice movie. Him with the little kid, right? I've seen a couple ads about yeah, it. Yeah, it's really yeah. nice. Um, Mike Mills, really good director. Um, uh, Encanto, new Disney movie. That was really fun. That was a very sweet movie too. Music um, by what's his name? Um, Manuel. Yeah. Lin Manuel. Lin Manuel Miranda. Yeah, he yes. does every Disney movie now. Lin. Yeah, he he's great. He, you know his uh his music is very good. And then. Uh, one of the last movies, or I saw two movies very recently. I saw um, Benedetta, which is the a new Paul Verhoeven movie. It's like a sexy, provocative nun movie. It was awesome. And then... <laughs> Sorry, um, what? Sorry, what? Yeah, it's a sexy, provocative nun movie. We don't have enough of those. We really don't. No. It's been, uh, it's been what? Si- it's been since what? Sister Act 2 that we've had one <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> No, Paul Verhoeven's awesome, man. Like, um, uh, what are you saying? I I, I want to say bless you. Is that the director's name or is that the Paul genre? Verhoeven? Motherfucking Robocop and Total Recall. Come on, like, sorry, Paul Verhoeven. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like you're trying to speak Swedish. Paul Verhoeven. Paul, how many names? How many words is it? Three, two. two? Paul. You know the name Paul. You've probably Paul. heard that before. Yeah, yeah. And, and Verhoeven. Verhoeven. Yeah, it's spelled. It, hold on, look here. It's like. <laughs> Ver, V E R, and then like ho, like you're a ho, H O E, and then. Of course, of course. Yeah. Well, that's then, how you. Uh, no, H O E is how you spell the garden tool. Not oh, that's the, right. That's right. Yes, so, the gar- yes, yes. Yes. so you just called me a garden tool, which is actually functioning and helps feed the world. So thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> Paul Verhoeven. Yeah, Paul J- John Bon Jovi. Uh, yeah, he. Yeah. <laughs> It's awesome. Uh, uh, I'm so happy I was able to see it because I guess I mean it actually got pretty wide release. Like I, I just saw it in AMC, but it was really cool. Um, cool. And then um, what else? I saw like it's two funny. days ago. Oh, yeah, House of Gucci. I saw House of Gucci very recently too. How was that? Um, overall, I mean, I had a lot of fun with it. 
it, it, I don't think it's like, it's very long. It's like over two and a half hours. I don't think it's runtime was justified, even though I know there's a lot they could, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of history within, within Gucci that they could have worked with. Um, but in this case, there's, I don't know, it, it's weird what they decided to focus on. Although I will say like everyone for the most part is pretty great in it. Lady Gaga, really good in it. Um, same with Adam Driver, Al Pacino. Jared uh, Leto. You know what? Even Jared, I'll give him credit. He was, he was uh, like, cause he, he was technically one of the only real empathetic characters in it. Like he, he, he not a Jared Leto fan. Um, no, I like Jared Leto enough. I just think that a lot of his performances, he's, he's kind of, kind of trying a little too hard. Maybe sometimes like, or like what besides Joker, like what? Like Joker. Um, I don't know. Nothing's coming to mind right now, but, uh, um, Jared Leto set a world record for touring the most a band has ever done in a year. 30 seconds to Mars toured like 240 days of the year. Then yeah. he came home, lost a bunch of weight for Dallas Buyers Club and won an Oscar for best supporting actor. Where do you think he's gone to over the top? Well, hey, let me talk about Hasaguchi. Um, <laughs> like he, he, like I said, he's like one of the only empathetic characters in it because he's the only one that doesn't, re- isn't really conniving. Everyone else is out, out for blood. Everyone else is trying to steal something. He's the only one that basically he's just a part of, he's, he's, he's the black sheep of the family. Like he has his own ideas for like the designs he wants to implement within the company, but his own father, his uncle, nobody takes his work seriously. He ends up getting fucked over. So like, I kind of like that. And he plays that pretty well. I just think his accent in it is a little distracting at times because it's a little too, you know, like bippity boppity. Like it's just, (laughs) you know, sometimes, sometimes it feels a little too, too, um, like stereotypical, I guess. Um, but I liked him enough. Like, I mean, that's, here's the thing. I do like Jared Leto. Like there's plenty of performances from him. I love Rockery for a dream. We were just talking about that earlier. Um, but, uh, like psycho. (laughs) Oh, true. He's great. American psycho. Um, but I don't know, like, it, it's moves like this where you, I don't know. Again, it's just like it's just like too much at times. Like the makeup, the fat suit, like his his accent. Like sometimes it's just, it's just like okay, like I get what you're trying to do. And um, but no, not trying to disrespect uh, Leto. I like Leto. I have zero interest in the movie. Like I don't even think I'll watch it when it's free. I just, it's just yeah. It lo- the whole movie seems overly dramatic. I I love Stephanie Lady Gaga. I think she's a fantastic actress. I loved um. Star is born. I think she'll be one of those people who doesn't do music for 10 years because she just moves fully into acting. But once I saw the trailer of her, like, make with the cappuccino on the ski mountain, and she was like, Some people think that I'm rather doo 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 doo. And I was like, Nope, <laughs> zero interest in this movie. Like, it seems, no. like a, it seems like a soap opera, the whole movie. Well, I'll, I'll say, like, the, that's the, the weird part. I feel like oh, it's trying to be two different movies. It almost wants to be like, a Scorsese level like crime epic, but it also wants to be this like um self-referential, like kind of like silly over the top movie about these like large in life characters, which is fine, but I don't feel like it ever merges the two that well. Like there's times where it's like, oh yeah, I forgot we're supposed to be this serious like dr- crime <laughs> dramatic movie. Let's get back into that. And then oh wait, but no, this movie's also trying to be like kind of silly and like over the top. So it doesn't do the greatest job at that, but like, it's obviously fun to watch every, like Al Pacino's great in it. Everyone's great in it. Everyone, I think everyone is doing, having a lot of fun and doing their thing in it. Um, Does Al Pacino but, but, go, hoo-ha! I don't know if he ever gives us a full hoo-ha, not even, but. Not even one? Oh. I remember. 
but it's still great in it. And, uh, but yeah, I, I think all, like I said, I just, I just don't think that at least in this case, what they decided to focus on, it's two and a half hour runtime was very, was really justified. Yeah. I just feel like there's too many moments where you're like, okay, like what's happening. Like really, like, it just kind of felt like there was kind of like segments on the movie where nothing was really progressing and they kind of were, you know, we're trying to hyper-focus on, uh, Gaga and, um, Adam Driver's kind of relationship and how that was de- deteriorating and falling apart. But yeah, which was fine. I mean, again, all their scenes were really good, but I don't know. It just kind of felt like a mess of a movie. I came up with a hilarious joke earlier. Um, I forgot to do it. So I'm going to do it now. Um, this is my impression of me wrapping up starring as one of the people in the first Eternals movie and then immediately getting fired and not being brought back for the second one. So at the director's like, all right, this is the, this last day of shooting, everybody. Kamal, Jennifer, what's it? No, wait, who is it? Angelina Jolie. Mm-hmm. Everybody, th- thanks for doing this movie. Mikey. Hey, everybody. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm not big for speeches. I just want to say it's been such an honor working with you guys. Being a star in a Marvel movie is really great. And I just want to say I'm eternally grateful to be working on this movie with you guys. Uh... <laughs> and they're like, we're going to replace you. Or you're going to be Hounds for days. We, we will kill you off in between the two movies. <laughs> um, it's funny. I think this is one of the first times that you and I have like in between not watched any of the same things. Yeah. Which is crazy. Cause I, you know, yeah. yeah. Well, what, yeah. what have you seen? How much time do we have? Um, God, so many. Every once in a while, I want to put together a list of everything I'm watching, and then like be like, "Hey, here's my list." But so I watched, I watched Zola because it was free on something. Oh and I was like, yeah, All right. I liked it. Good, like hour sixteen minute movie, exactly what it should be. Coleman Domingo playing. Oh, he's great. great typical that character that he is. Yep, I liked him. The the cast is great, especially when you look up the two main women and you're like, "Wow, this is who they are." Like I. Like they're good at playing this this character, um, and, and then of course seeing Nicholas Braun play the character he plays because I watch him as cousin Greg every Sunday on Succession. Um, Sundays have been huge for me for television. Sundays have just been the best days of the week. I used to hate Sundays. I only consider weekends as Saturday and Friday night because those like the time off, and then Sunday yeah, yeah. you do chores all day and think about how you have to go back to work. So for me, Sunday has been great recently because you have Dexter, uh, Dark Passenger, which is fantastic. I'm really liking it. The last episode also like revealed something where you're like, is this is it over? Because they're calling it like a mini series, so you don't know if they're like only planning a season, seeing how it goes. But the, yeah, the yeah. last episode is kind of like, oh shit, this is a big reveal. Um, uh, and then Sunday you have Kirby Enthusiasm, which is always fantastic. Um, John Renutsky's Renutsky's been in it. A few other people recently. Um, uh, Seth Rogen was in an episode. Uh, then Sunday also has Succession, uh, which I'm enjoying. And then Yellow Jackets, which I cannot recommend anymore as a TV show. It's the best piece of television right now. Um, it's, uh, Melanie Linsky, Juliette Lewis, and, uh, Christina Ritchie. Basically, it's about a Oregonian, uh, soccer team, I believe, high school soccer team of girls called the Yellow Jackets. They're traveling for a game, uh, and they crash in the Canadian Rockies. Um, this is not spoiling, because this is the premise. They're there for 19 months. And then the show follows them like 20 years later, the ones who got out alive and follows them. And there's a mystery element to it that I think I'm appreciating, depending on where it goes. But it's just, I don't know, like my favorite things out there are people crashing on islands. Lost, 
Lord of the Flies, oh, yeah, yeah. Castaway. I mean, just like things about people on crashed on islands are always great. This is not an island. Every time I refer to the show, I keep calling it an island. They're in the Canadian Rockies. Um, but it's it's phenomenal. So television. it is. I know there's only a few episodes out now, but like so far, is it is it all about them in like on the Rockies, like being stranded, or you said because you said it takes place twenty years after the events. So, so it's about three so, timelines i'd say it's like okay. them in high school uh, like leading up to the plane uh like a couple weeks before you see who they are what they're doing with their lives where they want to go to college who's dating who whatever then every episode and i just traveled to north carolina for thanksgiving every episode you see the plane crashing it's <laughs> just not fun to oh, watch damn. right before you travel <laughs> but uh it's about four or five episodes the end of the second episode I don't know why so many shows are doing this lately, but the end of the second episode, you just go, oh my God, like the end of the second episode will throw you for a giant whirlwind where you're like, why was this not the finale? Like the closing scene of the season. But yeah, so it follows them right before, follows them a little bit on the island and or in the woods. And then 20 years later, um, and basically somebody's come back to try to like stir up some stuff about what happened um i and that's not even me holding back on spoilers you just don't really know much what's going on so follow those three periods you don't see them in the woods as much as i want you to but i think that that's kind of like part of the mystery and finding out who's going to survive all 19 months and all of that because they've only showed us a few of the people 20 years later but that doesn't mean that everybody else died on the on the trip um so that's great and then what else uh a million little things been watching a little bit of celebrity wheel of fortune in the background um i've been watching speechless and in the background during uh that's a great sitcom from a few years ago during work i'm binging will and grace for the first time during work um mm. started eight bit eight bit christmas yesterday which i need to restart and watch it's a hbo max original movie and it's kind of like the new christmas story it's neil patrick harris telling his daughter the story of how he got a nintendo uh back in the late 80s so i think it's going to be very nostalgic nostalgic kind of movie okay there's that i'm really excited to see resident evil and and spider-man whenever i get around to seeing those um yeah i still gotta see uh, resident evil but I'd say really, I'm trying to think of what else I've been watching. I mean, I'm always watching TV all day, every day. Bachelorette is finishing up, which means Bachelor starting soon. Um, uh, football, of course. I, you know, I love the fo- the football's games as well. You know, <laughs> pa- Patriots throw their own touchdowns. Yeah. Um, uh, that's pretty much it. And I think a couple things are coming back early January, right before my birthday. So that's exciting. This is us comes back January 4th, final season. Um, so that will be interesting. They're, they're cutting it. I mean, it's, I think it's one of the best TV shows ever made. Um, oh really? And uh, this is us. It's phenomenal. If you like drama, I mean, drama D. I do. Drama. I, I've, I've always been interested yeah. in it. I guess what's kind of held me back is, I don't know. At least, I, I I hate. I never like to judge anything just based on a trailer because that's, you know, I, I like to just watch it and see what it is. But everything I've seen from it, it just looks hyper melodramatic, which isn't a problem yeah. necessarily. It's just like for me specifically, I'm like, eh, I'm like, do I want to lean into that right now? But but no, I, I should check it out because it can come you, off. You so talk it up. You talking about big time and sort of sort of a lot of other people I know. So yeah, this is us and a million little things. They're two very dramatic uh, television shows that are great. But this is us is great. I mean, it's one of those shows where like it, like I love any show where the main character is like a ghost. Um, I mean, uh, Six Feet Under, like the 
J- Richard Jenkins dies in the opening season of Six Feet Under, and he's in the whole entire rest of the show. His ghost kind of plays their, like, self-conscious. You have Rescue Me, where his brother-in-law dies in a fire and is, you know, still throughout the whole show. This Is Us is, it's not like that, but I guess the thing is, is, like, everybody knows this. The dad dies in a fire in This Is Us, but the thing is, like, he's in the whole entire show. Um, you know, the yeah. whole entire show is in the future, the past, the present, the this and that. That's what I love about the show is there's one mystery that they've been leading up to for about four or five seasons. And I'm pretty sure it's how the show's going to end. But there's so many twists. I mean, we just found out about a breakup in last season. And like uh, you find out in the finale, there's so many twists and turns and things you don't expect and storylines and sub storylines. We're like, I even joke that there's going to be an episode where we find out like, who their caveman ancestors are because like one season opens up and it's just like this new white white family in in philadelphia and and you're like eh, they look like they're in like 1940s clothes i don't know is this jack is jack's great grandfather and they just really like move around with with everything um so That's i'd cool. recommend that yeah but i yeah. mean i could go on and on about what i've been watching because all i do is watch tv but. right i mean i've been watching more too I, i'll just say quickly just because i know we want to get to the main subject for today but i um i have i just finished uh true story which is a limited series on netflix with um kevin hart which was actually really good um heard a lot about it yeah. yeah i would check it out it's like six episodes six or seven episodes um kevin hart very very everyone's great in it he's really surprising um who plays his brother it's another big actor right wesley snipes awesome he's always great and everything um everyone's great in it. yeah it's cool it's a really nice self-contained relatively i think it's like four hours total like four hours four and a half hour kind of thing so easy watch very and i there's there's parts of it that give me that gave me anxiety in the same realm of like a safety brothers movie like uncut gems or something so i applaud them for that and then the other show i've been working on almost done with season one i think i literally have one more episode is um uh marvel's the punisher on netflix which is great it's really great. It's one of the better Marvel-related projects I've seen in quite some time. Crazy I've, violent. I've, I've um, heard good stuff about it. I just love John Bernthal, So John Bernthal's so good in it. Like one yeah. of his best roles. Uh, he owns it so much, and I, I like it's. It's there's a good there's a hyper focus on like the military and like how soldiers coming back with PTSD and how the problems they bring back home and all that's handled really well. Great show. I'm excited to get finish it and get into season two. Um, those are some is of the. He a, is he like a super soldier or something in it? I mean, like he doesn't he doesn't really have like superpowers, but he is like an elite, like you know, better than most. Like he, you know, and obviously, like you know, the whole premise is that his uh his wife and children were taken from him. They were killed right in front of his eyes. Um, and like that's kind of like the motive. Like he, you know, he is literally punishing those who did him wrong. So like his. I don't know if I were to say like his, like his, a lot of his strength literally comes from just his anger, his own anger, his own, like his own wanting for revenge. But yeah, I mean, he is like a, he technically he's like this like super elite soldier. Um, his hand to hand combat, his general strength is even his, like, um, the way he handles a gun is, is, is pretty crazy. Um, I but, love the movies, both of them. The sequel I is I super seen the low movies. budget with a different actor. And it's the se- the second movie's like unbelievably violent, like very very intense. Who like, plays the Punisher in those two movies? Who plays Frank. First one, I believe, is Thomas Jane, and John Travolta's the bad guy. Um, oh shit! Okay, I, I I have no idea about Punisher two. Um, 
I'm telling you, it's like super low budget. If you ever want a really fun movie, Smoke and Aces, it's a good kind of violent uh, heist movie in Vegas. That's another movie that got a sequel. And the sequel is like very low budget as well, but a lot of fun. So let's see what the original was. Original was Thomas Jane, John Travolta. Yep. Good, good cast. Samantha Mathis. And then let me look up. I don't even know who we know who plays him in the sequel. Let's see. The Punisher. But the the second one, I just remember watching and being like, this is like unbelievably violent. Like I've never Punisher Warzone. Oh, yeah. Warzone. Came out in 2008. And that one is Ray Stevenson. Dominic West. Nobody I really know, but it's good. Yeah. Dominic West is a good actor. Yeah. yeah, yeah, good cast, but uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, before we talk about what we're what we're really here for and kind of introduce the theme of today, uh, I wanted to bring up our sponsors. Um, this is our 17th episode. We have two sponsors, uh, so we're very excited. Our first sponsor, water, classic water. I have some classic right here. Water. Well, you can see it because of the green screen. <laughs> but it's there, uh, trust me. Quality H2O. It's what uh, Adam Sandler promoted a lot in that movie he did. Big Daddy. Oh, you. Shampoo is better. Um, uh, and then I have a, a card here, a note from our second sponsor, which is super exciting. In between our hiatus, during our hiatus from last episode and this episode, we get a brand new sponsor to the Wheelie Otis podcast. And that sponsor is Trees. Um, so we're super excited to have them helping us out, being a part of it. I have to read this um, from them legally. Trees. Some are big, some are tall, some are large, some are small trees. Um, mm. So, yeah, uh, excited to have them be a part of it. Uh, do you know, if, I don't know, is there a website that we are supposed to promote? Um, I, I don't know about website, but I think that, you know, they mentioned just, you know, if you go outside, you know, you might yeah. you might see some. Yeah, 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 you can totally. find them anywhere. You can get them anywhere. Um, they help us breathe. Um, uh, so that's pretty exciting. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, great sponsor. Uh, very good to have on the, on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. I think everybody uh, everybody loves trees, so that's exciting. But today's theme we we've been working on this I think since last Halloween. <laughs> um, but tonight yeah. today's theme we're gonna try to probably do a few more of these throughout our our our, our sessions. Um, but basically the theme today was, hey Tom, what's the most disturbing movie you've ever seen? Mikey, what's the most disturbing movie you've ever seen? All right, let's watch them and talk about them. So just a, a brief introduction. My background, as you can see above me, uh, is from a 1980s movie called Society that Tom had me watch. And his uh, is from a French-Canadian horror film um, called Martyrs that I had him watch. Um, yeah, so we, you, yeah, we both came up with this a while back and, you know, a little bit of a double feature kind of deal talking about two movies that we each recommended. And like I said, it's, it's, it's in this case, it's, it's two really kind of disturbing fucked up movies that we have seen, but the other hasn't. So like that's stuck with us. So my first time watching martyrs long time coming. Cause I've heard about this movie forever. And then he, for him, uh, Mikey's first time watching society. Did you watch, let's talk about like initial, react not written initial reactions but what do you think when you first started looking into it like you knew of martyrs i didn't know of society did you rewatch society before we did this podcast episode um i did actually yeah i did not rewatch martyrs so i like to think of this episode our last episode as therapy 
uh, for me. The first Wrong Turn movie, the 2003 one, that and and Hills of Eyes have given me like some of the worst nightmares I've ever had for movies that just stuck with me. Yeah. Um, just growing up in New Hampshire, growing up in the woods, and and you know just being right there. Martyrs, I would say, is the most disturbing movie I've ever seen, and I I live to go see The Green Inferno and Midsummer and the movies that are on the top rated, you know, most disturbing band movies, and people were vomiting, getting carried out on stretchers and fainting. I live for those movies. Martyrs. Uh, I guess my brief history is is my sister worked at a video store when we were kids growing up. She would always bring home, you know, movies before they came out. Um, my mom raised us on ghosts and aliens and Twilight Zone and, and all, you know, vampires. So I, I, I don't know if it was, it was 2008. So I was just entering college. I don't know if my sister was still at the video store. I don't know if those existed then. I don't remember. But I remember my sister brought home Martyrs and me, my mom and sister sat down to watch it. Dad's not into horror. So we watched it. And the whole entire movie was gruesome, hard to watch, really disturbing. I remember looking at my sister and being like, this is too much. Like, why would, like, you brought home a lot of, like, fun messed up movies. I don't know why you did this. And then. So, yeah, um, you watched this with your whole family? My mom and sister. Yep. yep. Nice. Wait, how old were you guys? So, it's 2008. So, I was, like, 22, maybe, or something. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, it must have been right around there. And, um, and, and I remember feeling that way. My mom and I were like. this is too much why would you make us watch this and she's made us watch fucked up stuff before but it was like this is too much and then i think we talked about this maybe a little bit last episode but um just like uh cannibal holocaust one of the most bad movies in the world the end of martyrs like the last scene everything comes together and it all makes sense and it's not i would say this is kind of torture porn but not torture porn where in the sense of like it's not it's not shock value and there's it's not it's not uh 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 human centipede where there's no real message or motto or anything there's no lessons learned and then it just ends and you're like okay they made that to make people throw up like we'll get to it but the end of martyrs is really so well, that that's well, uh, a little pre-discussion we had before we started recording we're like you know like this is kind of fall into torture porn and you know that's obviously we'll get into that i know like 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 you were, like that was a good uh movie you just mentioned Human Centipede where it's like may, you know those movies are definitely going more for shock value and grotesque imagery and you know not that this movie isn't to a degree but there is a lot more behind the meaning there's a lot more to do with like the our central character who's dealing with like her quite literal demons you know that that is haunting her and and whatnot and um it's but, realistic i think that's what makes yeah. it scariest is like you know, you watch like a Jurassic Park movie and you're like, that's scary, but I don't, that doesn't, it's not going to happen. And this movie, you're like, oh yeah, this could happen to any of the 7 billion people on the planet. This exactly. Is, yeah. And, and I think, well, you know, it's interesting too. I didn't even realize this until like very recently until we started planning to record this, that, you know, we, we both recommended these, both these movies, but there, I didn't even, we did not intend that both these movies would have some similarities as far as like both involving um like you know like kind of r- the rich elite who are like controlling yeah. the lower yeah. classes because that's like kind of a prominent theme in both these movies to, to very different yeah. degrees but that's still like a central thing in both societal these wealth and privilege and and uh yeah the high yeah. class just doing whatever they want because they can there's there's no punishment to, for them yeah and yeah. maybe society it's a little bit more out there it's a little bit more like especially now nowadays it's more almost like conspiratorial <laughs> i could see someone like nowadays being like the richer 
you know, they're, they're, they're literally sucking our blood and, you know, so they can stay alive for hundreds of years. And then, uh, it's not far from lizard people and all of that. I mean, yeah, like, I yeah. could see society being a real thing. Like I could see that being also, well, I guess, I, mean, I guess so much the execution is like at the end of it's grotesque, but it's, it's more on like the over the top silly way. But then in martyrs, there's a lot of philosophical questions that they're posed at the end. And, uh, you know, about yeah. like the afterlife, about why they're doing this in the first place. And, you know, Obviously, they're all fucked up for doing this, but they have their reasons for doing it. Even though, you know, they try to justify why they're doing it, at least. So, um, how how would you describe martyrs? Like, you know, if you were to pitch it to somebody, like, what would be your synopsis? What would be your your tagline? Your, you know, mm, how would you explain it? Um, I would say, um, I would say being tormented by, you know we're following someone who's tormented by their past. Um, and they try to, they try to recorrect, reclaim, take something back from what was stolen from them. Um, only to un, un only to uncover more fucked up, more horrible and cruel truths. That's probably the best way I'd put it because the movie starts off with like, we see, <coughs> excuse me. We see like a young girl. She's running out of like a factory, um, out of some, like some mill or whatever, bloody horrified screaming crying and then we cut years later she's you know i don't know like 10 15 years later she's now an adult and she seeks revenge on those who kidnapped her and were tormenting her um and so it starts off kind of like a pretty pretty typical like revenge movie and very quickly does she kill the people who we at least assume tormented her, who were the ones that captured her and, and torment and, you know, tortured her for at this point. We don't know why we don't know why these people did it. We don't know why she was tortured. We don't know any of the meaning behind it other than people be fucked up. Um, and then, so she kills, you know, it's, it's like a family now, this mother, father and the two kids too. One of them being, what's his name? Um, hold on. will come to me. He's a director. He made, Lawrence, anyways, mommy. He was in It Chapter Two. He died in the beginning of Ch- It Chapter Two. What the fuck's his name? Hold yeah. on. Hold on. Let me see what it is. It is. Oh, Xavier Dolan. Yes, he's the kid. He's the teenage son that dies in it. Um, I I forgot. Like I said, I didn't rewatch it because I don't think I want to ever watch this movie again. Yeah, it's, it's like hard Joker. To watch. It's like Joaquin Phoenix Joker. Like uh, I loved Joker, Joaquin Phoenix, but like it's so hard to watch and depressing, and just like just it, it sticks with you for like days after you watch it, and you're like, one's good enough, one's good <laughs> enough. And yeah, I've only I'll, seen the Joker once too, and, yeah. and I loved it, but yeah, it was it was a hard watch. Um, I mean, and Martyrs too. I just want to point out is a two part movie, kind of like um, yes, very much, kind of like Wrong Turn, the new Wrong Turn. Wrong Turn is a final girl film. Uh, for part of it and then you know it's a survival movie it's a horror movie it's everything this movie is essentially the first half is revenge movie and then the second half is a torture movie and it's just like very divided between like the two they're very different movies um and themes and yeah it, it, yeah. it feels it feels relentless honestly and, and in a good way but but like it, it's a lot to take in because again we're at the start right at, right at the beginning girl being tortured and then she's an adult she kills the entire family, including two kids and like with a shotgun, you know? So it's like just these brutal deaths. Um, and, and then you're right. So like once that happens, 
um, we kind of quickly learn, and we see some imagery in the beginning, but we quickly learn that um, uh, this main girl we're following, um, what's, uh, no, what's her name? Lucy, I believe. I think Lucy's the main girl. So Lucy, um, she has like a, quite literally like a, like a demon. Um, Jurin? It says Jurin. Jurin. Let me see. Yeah, Lucy Jurin. So okay. Lucy, oh, yeah. Yep, 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 got it. <clears throat> and then her friend who, who Anna, so Anna is kind of like tagging along. Um, I don't think has any idea that she's actually going to kill these people. Um, and that's kind of what starts this whole, this whole thing. But, um, yeah, so after she kills them, she, she kind of starts like hitting her head and she's talking to somebody in her, she's talking to like this, 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 uh, I don't even know what you call it, but yeah, it's basically like a, uh, a demon, like a manifestation of all of her, of all of her traumas, and it, it takes the, the 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 it takes the imagery we see is of this like, you know, almost like a, like a tortured person, like this this like cut up demon who it just looks horrifying, you know. And uh, what did you think about that? Because for me, I liked it enough because obviously you're right. This might technically be one of the more like like more realistic aspects of the movie. She. It's not like she kills these people and then it's like, all right, cool. Like, we're good now. Like, she's trying to fix a part of herself. Like, she's trying to literally, like, fix. Like, she's, I think she even says at one point, she's like, is that enough? I killed them. Like, it's over. And yet this this uh, unfortunate psychological demon in her mind is not satisfied. Like, it's, you know, obviously ki- killing people, it didn't bring her the peace she thought it would. Um, and that that's what the whole first half of the movie is. Like you said, she's haunted by a literal demon. When she escaped the slaughterhouse where she was being tortured, you find out that she could have saved somebody else, but got afraid or I think she wasn't able to cut her loose. So she wound up getting free. And then you find out, you know, obviously the other woman was killed eventually in the slaughterhouse. Oh, yeah. So the person she had to leave behind. Yeah. And yeah, that right. person haunts her forever to the point where we'll just walk through the whole movie. That's the whole first half of the movie is her getting revenge and her just dealing with that literal thing on her shoulder. Just that that person haunting her and her, her guilty conscience. And it gets to the point where she winds up killing herself because she's like, I, I can't. I don't want to deal with this. Like, I've killed this family. How Like, I could kill everybody that has held us responsible, but I'll never be able to forgive myself for not saving that other woman, which I, I probably could have done but I was too scared or I was too selfish and wanted to get out, which puts us all into that same case. You know, it's like one of those like, you know, movies where it's like, yeah, if your best friend had, you know, needed a heart transplant, you watch a movie where somebody's like, Hey, I'm going to give my heart to you. And I'm going to like, you know, and it's like, that's sweet. But like in real life, would you do that? Yeah. Like, like, if you're I mean, thrust into the moment, yeah. Would you make that hard choice? And, uh, and, and, and there's one movie real quick. I have to bring up oh yeah, my yeah. God, Joaquin Phoenix and hold on i think it's called return to paradise i think we need to do that uh, on an episode of this do you know this movie 1998 film it is starring vince vaughn joaquin phoenix uh and anne Heche and vera formiga it is not based on a true story i don't believe but let me just tell you the plot uh okay so basically yep okay three best friends go to malaysia they're all new york city new yorkers they go to malaysia and they just have some fun they steal some bikes they smoke some hash they have a good time uh vince vaughn and the other guy played by david conrad go back to new york uh vince vaughn's about to start a taxi company they're all starting to get their lives you know uh on track um and the malaysian police excuse me show up and Joaquin Phoenix is there for an extra day 
And they're like, we heard you stole some bikes. You know, you're stupid tourists. This happens. You guys get drunk. You do stuff. We're going to take the bikes back. And then, you know, we know you're leaving tomorrow. So it's all good. As they're leaving, they find a fire of hash burning. They bought a bunch of hash and they wound up just burning the rest of it. Mm -hmm. They find the hash and they arrest Joaquin Phoenix. And he is sentenced to a Malaysian prison for the rest of his life. Where he's basically like beaten and and just starved. and, And just it's a terrible, terrible prison that he's in. Anne Haish plays his sister, I believe, who's a lawyer. She sees him in the prison and then goes back to his two best friends. And it's like, listen, if both of you go back, his life sentence will be reduced to 33 years. If one of you goes back, his life sentence will be reduced to 50 years. However, you'll also have that same life sentence. So the whole entire movie is two guys in New York City about to start their lives. Like, do we go back and reduce his sentence and throw our lives away? Or do we just carry on knowing that we could have done something and now our friend is probably going to die in prison just because he saved an extra day? Anyway, long story really makes Sounds you think cool. about. Wait, what's that movie called? Return to Paradise. Oh, uh, my, okay. my mom showed it to me back in the day. Really makes you think about friendship and how that all works. But anyway, back to Martyr. Yes, back to Martyr. And I do want to point out, too, I like to nerd out a little bit. Martyrs was directed and written by Pascal Laguerre. French Canadian movie. Um, I'm not going to try to pronounce any of the other people in the movie, uh, but yeah, came out May 2008, premiered in at Cannes, which makes sense. Uh, or uh, was that? Uh, yeah, September 3rd, 2008, released in France. 99 yeah, that would this would have been a wild movie to see at like a film festival, like you know. But it's a film festival movie. These are these are typical, you know. Like oh no, I of, mean, I saw yeah, I saw House of Jack built. Uh, you know, oh like, you did like one of the first showings at at Kansas, and it was great. Um, how was it? Is it is it hard to watch? There, there's a few, there's a few scenes that are hard to watch, but it honestly the movie has like kind of like a playful tone to it, like the way it, it goes about everything. There, but there are like two or three scenes that are, are disturbing. One one of them is it just involves a, a little duckling literally that's and matthew dillon right the kind of uh matthew dillon uh, yeah. or matt yeah, dillon yeah matt dillon yeah, yeah. I, and that's lars von trier as well uh lars von trier yeah he yeah. so uh, it's been on my list for a while and the trailer makes it seem kind of comical kind of like it's um it's fascinating i mean if i don't know how many yeah. movies you've seen from him but like oh yeah, yeah like all of them yeah oh cool okay oh, yeah, so you'll probably like it then yeah, yeah it's, it's well really... no, nothing's more disturbing than antichrist right this can't be more disturbing than antichrist yeah it's not as disturbing uh, no. uh antichrist no if you <laughs> but... have if you have genitals uh antichrist will <laughs> stick with oh you for God. a long time <laughs> it's just yeah. messed up i um yeah. but you know uh Oh man, uh, what was this? But yeah, anyway, seeing that like with like some audience members for the first time, That's it's great because cool, like I, w- I was excited because I'm like, all right, I'm like, I just want to see, I just want to hear reactions. I want to see what happens to people. And like, you know, you had some people that you know were audibly, you know, <gasps> but like, and you had some people that walked out. But ultimately, like when I was done, you know, my, my people are I was with, we were all like, no, you know, that wasn't a movie that would like, I can unless you're like, eighty years old, I don't think it would necessarily like offend you that much um but like if you've been to a film festival i think that's like the norm there like uh, yeah there's documentaries there's animated and then there's just like hey this is gonna shock the whole world (laughs) who wants to buy it for like from us we yeah i remember seeing another movie there um i i wish i remember the name but it was about two like like ogres um who you know were still living within the the um 
like contemporary society it super good i wish i remember the name of it it'll come is it back live action yeah yeah it's yeah it's all live action uh they're not like ogres like shrek you know they still yeah. look like people but like just like their noses yeah. and their general body size is a little different and you know everything and um super fa- super fascinating but that movie had actually to me had a scene fucked up uh, a, a fucked up scene way more fucked up than anything in house of jack built um and but yeah but i i guess but again going back to it like martyrs like to me like seeing this with an audience for the first time must have been really wild um just because this movie is so intense and obviously you know we we mentioned mikey mentioned earlier this kind of falls under the french extremist um or french extremism which is kind of like a collection of movies you know that uh don't really hold back i know you know Last episode we had Mike on. He actually talked about High Tension, which is another I think French Canadian movie that also falls in that realm. We got to see that. That could be another movie we talk about in the future. That, but, I, I remember but, that very well from the early two thousands. I remember DVD like case, yeah, I remember people talking about it. I remember it was a big deal. I just never yeah. saw. I never got around to it. But it you know it looks it looks wild. And you know Mike talked about how just how just goddamn intense it is. And that's what I felt about Martyrs. Where like this movie is relentless and never lets up. You're always on the edge of your seat and. And also too, like yeah, so we said kind of said the first half is more revenge, if and if anything, psychological horror too. A latter half is more kind of broad, just kind of like torture, um, torture movie. And we asked earlier is if if this kind of falls in torture porn. And honestly, I I kind of think it just narrowly slips out of it because like it is. I would say this movie is probably like grotesque for a lot of people i think there's a lot of people i can even think of who who couldn't handle this movie who wouldn't want to watch this movie i couldn't handle this movie it's yeah. it's late it's so on wikipedia society which we'll get to is labeled as a body horror film martyrs is listed as a um psychological horror film i also sorry i just want to point out real quick that i think everybody thinks that japan is the go-to horror movie uh place you know like obviously the ring and the grudge and all of the kind of ghost stories like you know japan makes a lot of really really good horror movies that we adapt but like the french make a lot of great movies too they made um them i believe it's called which is the original oh, yeah. um, the original Strangers, which is fantastic. And then uh, the Swede- uh, Swedish make great horror movies too with uh, Let the Right One In that was adapted over here. So there's a lot of like other places to explore when it comes to horror. You know, we, we I think we just always go to like Japanese ghost movies and then you're like, oh, well, like the French... French make really good horror movies. Too. Oh, they do. And, and Martyrs was remade too. I even went, I even watched the remake and I was just like, nope. And uh, yeah, and the, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, remake. this is where me and Tom are different. Is like I still haven't seen Minari or Parasite because I can't read for two hours. I mean, when I watch a movie, I have the audio going and I have the subtitles because sometimes I'm reading my phone and I'm listening. Sometimes I'm listening to a, a car go by and I'm reading the subtitles. I need like a little bit of everything, but I can't watch a movie where I have to read subtitles for two hours. Like my ADD doesn't allow it. So I think that that's why, uh, you know, I would still rather watch the French Martyrs more in the English, like American version, because it is that good. It's that good. It's better than the remake. And it's just like, I would watch this, uh, you know, this is the one I would recommend to people 100%. I mean, they say the new one's pretty shot for shot remake, I think. And it's similar. It definitely is. There's like one or two scenes that really change it up. But all right, keep keep telling me your thoughts. So we get to the part where uh, she kills herself. Uh, because of her guilt and then pretty much immediately after killing herself the society the group of people come in and take her friend 
Yeah, well, no. well, I will say before they even come in, um, so her friend Anna, we haven't really talked about her yet. She, again, is just kind of tagging along. Uh, she had not endured the same horrors as her friend, um, but she's there. She's moral support. She's there to help her. Um, so, so obviously, weird moral support. <laughs> yeah, well, I I don't think she, you know, she didn't, I don't think I had any idea. She was just going to blow this whole family away with a shotgun. And so, like, she's trying to kind of help her through all this. And eventually... Um, because of her demon, Lucy ends up cutting her wrist, killing herself. Um, and now it's just Anna left, left there. And, you know, at first I was like, what's going to happen now? She just killed herself. I'm like, okay, um, what's Anna going to do? And, and, and she ends up kind of like staying at the house and pretty much because she, she ends up finding the lair that's in this home. So they have their own bunker where, you know, this family would torture people um, and they would carry out their business. And she finds, a woman down there who, you know, who the hell knows how long she's been there, but she obviously it's, it's pretty much, you know, it looks like she had been down there for years being tortured. She had crazy cuts all over her body. She had like a, a metal, like chastity belt. She had like a whole helmet covering her eyes. Um, she looks like she just had the works done to her and she tries to help her. She brings her out of this like bunker, brings her up into the actual house. Um, takes the uh the helmet off her head which that's also a really gross scene because there's like metal spikes that like go into her head she just like pull the pins out that part's horrifying um and yeah that that, that part also messed me up too because she tries to like you know to, to, to talk to her to try and help her but she's just way too far gone she's just been tortured for way too long um and then yeah after that that's when um the actual the people the 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 institution that that handles all this comes into play um, they find out what happened to the family and we're introduced to um, just Mademoiselle, right? That's her name. I don't think she has another name, just Mademoiselle. And she is like, at least from what we gather, she's kind of the, the head of the, the, the leader of all of this. She conducts these these events in which people are tortured. Um, and we slowly learn that she does this or they all do this for the sake of trying to understand the afterlife, trying to understand, I guess, what, what happens afterwards. It's fascinating. This is, I think where the movie really takes, really goes in a unique direction. Um, and I, I think what's interesting is that she explains, you know, she, they capture Anna. Um, and you, you can tell by the image behind me, if you're watching this, you know, she, they, they just, they, they handcuff her and they start talking to her about, other events in, in history where people were tortured and they reach some kind of like euphoric state. Um, they transcend, you know, to a different realm, if you will. And I think that's where they assume that in the, in this very moment uh, when someone is uh, undergoing so much pain, they enter this state and they're able to see what nobody else and, in, in, you know, no other human is able to see. So that's, that's their, their, their justification. That's their whole reasoning behind torturing random people. Um, which is horrifying because obviously they seem like such like, you know, well-spoken high-class people, but obviously like they're just administering like some of the worst acts ever committed to any person ever. Um, yeah. Super fascinating ending. Um, and let's that's also, about, like, let's talk where, about the ending. Yeah. That's also where it, where it ties. I think it ties a lot into society mm -hmm. in a lot mm -hmm. of ways. But yeah. What, I don't know. What do you think about, um, kind of this aspect of it because again like this is where to me like what's great about martyrs too is like again for as brutal as it is we're slowly again it's almost like continually justifying it's 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 brutal nature it's 
it's a revenge movie. And then again, we slowly learn, we learn that, you know, it's not just, it's not just this crazy person that's fucking up people, you know? Cause like, if you look at hostile, I would say hostile, if anything is more one and two or more torture porn because yeah, just and, for the hell of it. Yeah. And granted, I, I like those movies a lot, especially the second hostile. I think that one's great, but you know, it's kind of just, Hey, rich people have money. They, they, they got money to burn. They got nothing to do. Fuck it. Let's just torture people. Cause we, we can't, we can get away with it. Um, and this movie, it's not the case. They're not necessarily crazy or just having fun. They're trying to literally un- using their money to understand like what happens when we die. Um, and which I thought was really cool. I thought it was really fascinating. That's, and you didn't know anything, right? No, I didn't know anything about that. Yeah. yeah. So the end of the movie, basically Anna, the main character. So the whole movie, like all of the women are beaten every day within like an inch of their life, fed like water and oatmeal and they're just given nothing. And you find out at the end of the movie, basically, that these women were being used as martyrs by a bunch of elderly people who were about to die. And they hired this organization to torture these women into almost death so the women could see what the afterlife was like. Afterlife was like, excuse me, as they were transitioning into it. And then essentially these old people were going to show up and then either be excited about what was going to come next or be a little weary about it. But that's what happens at the end. So let's talk about the end because uh, Madame, how do you say her name? I think it's just Madame Wiseau. Madame Wiseau. Yeah. Let's talk about that. So at the end of the movie, Anna's on the table. She's been skinned alive, which that is really probably the worst part of the movie. She's hung up on hooks. Oh, yeah, that imagery think, is, is just I don't insane. think there's anything worse than that. I'm reading the Wikipedia page. Super interesting. So the director said the film was rejected by all the big French studios and also by a lot of actresses. The film was really supported by Canal Plus, the only television channel in France that still finances some unusual projects. He also comments the main difficulty, other than the technical issues such as special effects, was to keep the actresses crying the whole time, and that was too demanding. Interesting. So, um, so at the very end of the movie, the guy who is torturing the woman uh, is torturing her, calls in Madame Moiselle. I can't say that. That's a hard. No, I can't say that. <laughs> calls her in. She goes up to Anna's ear. Anna whispers into her ear. And as the elderly people are showing up to get their verdict, Madame Moiselle goes into the bathroom and shoots herself and kills herself. And the whole mystery of the movie is what did Anna see on the other side? Yeah. And we're left why to, did, to decipher. Why did Madame, did Mademoiselle kill herself because Anna saw nothing and Mademoiselle felt guilty for torturing all these women and, and killed herself to, to, you know, cause she was guilty or did Anna see something so euphoric and beautiful and wonderful that Mademoiselle was like, I need to kill myself and get to that other world. And that's the thing is, I wonder if you could look into it and see like what actually was said, because there are plenty of directors who 20 years after their movies come out are like, oh, this is what was written on that. Like, this was the, the thing the whole time that, you know, so well, cause... And, and that final scene, too, with Mademoiselle is crazy because uh, like they're. I think the assistant asks, like, oh, like, was she able to communicate clearly? And she goes, yes. And then she just says, keep doubting, just keep doubting and then kills herself. What does that mean? Exactly. And, you know, I, I, ah, yeah, there's, there's a lot like that's ugh, the ending to this really got me. Cause yeah. not that I expected to be a clear answer. It definitely didn't. Um, like once I learned about this whole institution and them trying to uncover, you know, like uh, creating their own martyrs and trying to understand the, the larger truths of life, I knew we weren't going to get like a clear answer. Yeah. 
Um, but at the same time, you're right. You made a great question. Like just the very fact of her killing herself, you make it makes you wonder again. Like yeah, was she did she feel guilty because she had spent her life torturing people for no reason? And there's um, no afterlife. Or the afterlife, no afterlife at all. Terrible. Is there or... is there an afterlife? And she just now she realized that and just wanted to get there as fast as possible. But if uh, there was an afterlife and that was that beautiful and euphoric and Anna was telling her about it, would she really think that killing herself would get her to the afterlife? Um. Uh, I mean, that's the whole yeah. talk about heaven, heaven and hell with the movie, too, is do you think that, you know, you, if you kill yourself, you go to hell? That's your thought, basically, of what it is. So, I mean, my question is, would she really thought that she'd go to the same place Anna's going, especially having tortured these women for so long as well? Did she really think that she'd? I think that's the only thing that would steer me towards Anna saying there's nothing. There's nothing after this. You know, I'm transitioning to the afterlife and it's just emptiness. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I don't know. But that's the and then the old people show up and you're just like, oh, this all makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't even I, I still there's nothing I can specifically at the moment like pinpoint. Like, yes, I think I think this is why she killed herself. I think this is what Anna said. Um, but yeah, I think I guess I would fall more into what you said uh, about maybe there being no afterlife at all. Um, it's just the void. You go back to non-existence, you know. So it's like, um, but again, it's, it's all, it's all this like sort of philosophical musing that I, I like, um, because it, it brings more to the table. Um, and again, it, it does make this more than, again, than just another like saw or another, or hostile. It, it, you know, this, like I said, this move, the brutality in this movie feels justified. Um, and again, like you, yeah, it's not something I'm going to watch often, but uh, in the future, it is something I would like to revisit, though, because it is such a like brutally honest and, uh, you know, unique movie for sure. Um, and now I just I mean, now I'm interested. I want to go check out more um, in the kind of French extremism route. I want to go check out High Tension, some of these other notable movies that have kind of, that, you know, I've kind of dug into people's subconscious have really made an impact in, in cinema. So yeah. I'm reading what what did Anna whisper? At the end of the the movie Martyrs, there's so many forums. Oh yeah, that's something I don't think yeah, you, you don't know that either. You don't know. No, this, no. I think it's said. gonna be one of those things we'll find out in in like ten or fifteen years. Like the director will do an AMA on Reddit and be like, "Oh, by the way, this is what she said." Oh yeah. yeah. Um, or or it'll be <laughs> one of those things where somebody in an interview is like, "I think it's this," and then the director will be asked about it, and he'll be like, "Yeah." more yeah that's pretty close that's pretty close and that's all we'll ever know about these kinds of things we should do a whole episode on movies with uh that that leave you hanging that you don't know i mean inter- yeah uh, inter- interception with the thing spinning the little dreidel spinning the whole entire time and you're like whoa oh the end I, of inception yeah yeah inception yeah. is great don't get me wrong fantastic especially in theaters great movie but like interstellar i i don't think anything will ever come close to that i still haven't seen um the last christopher nolan movie oh one, oh the that's that you, tenet yeah the one that the one that you kept movie theaters going during covid by seeing so many times in theaters. yeah i, I like I, I, guys we don't have to close down tom yeah, is Tom's here. yeah i kept movie theaters alive baby that's what i do <laughs> Tenet was um, cool. I, you know, I liked it a lot. Um, but uh, no, man, it, I, I think, oh yeah, I don't know if I like um, Interstellar Inception more. Maybe Inception only because to me, Ince- and again, this is, I guess this maybe bleeds more into nostalgia. But like Inception was like such a big movie for me at the time. Yeah, um, yeah. I remember the hype around it. You know, this was post right after Dark Knight. 
So there was mm-hmm. so much hype for for Nolan coming back to make a movie and and, and you know a whole the like original movie and I don't know I just, I just have I have a lot of good memories seeing Inception I think I saw it like two or three times in theaters um but it was you know this this says a lot about me and I get it we've talked in the podcast I studied film in college I'm a terrible film person because I'd rather watch Sharknado six than Citizen Kane for a second time I'd rather watch uh, uh, The Bachelor than most of the Oscar and Emmy nominated TV shows I mean I was, honestly I, I, I just I, I just said it makes you honest <laughs> you know like I'm honest I, I'm so sick yeah, of period piece television where it's like oh hello queen what's on the docket for today and it's like oh yeah. my god there's a, there's that show The Great which is a comedy that's set in a period piece comedy yeah and I'm just like, I can't think of anything I would rather watch less in my life. Anyway, all of that being said, I forget where I was going with this. Um, what were we talking about? Murders, French films. Well, yeah, I mean, maybe now kind of segue into society because um, as I mentioned, and we'll definitely get into this very soon. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah. I was just going to say real quick that yes. I this is a terrible statement. I'm going to say it. I want Christopher Nolan movies to come out in 3D. I love seeing them yeah. in IMAX. They're great in IMAX. They're great in high definition and they're great in 70 millimeter or whatever. But to see like Interstellar Inception back in theaters in like 10 years, like reformatted for 3D. I know he'll never let that happen, but yeah, can you imagine, he never, he can never you jumped Inception on the 3D, right? And, no, no. And like, yeah, no, he, no. I don't think he will. Yeah, I, I think Nolan, but, I mean, because I remember like post- avatar from like 2000 like late 2009 to like 20 like 13 i feel like because because avatar obviously was the biggest hit ever so many studios were like 3d movies we're bringing 3d movies back and yeah. i remember there was yeah. like a and i remember i think nolan made a couple like public announcements like nope not doing it like i'm not doing 3d but inception in 3d when the buildings are full i mean like come well, on yeah, nolan well, what's funny Give because, it to us because like you know well i don't well, i'll say this much and i think i already know the answer to it but when it comes to 3d movies do you prefer 3d movies that were like things are look like they're coming at you or do you like when it helps make more depth of field like depth of field yes and okay i agree with you on that so but nolan Nolan movies would be perfect then yes like it's yeah i agree yeah in interstellar where like matthew mcconaughey's in the bookshelf and shit i mean okay i'll put it this way i i there are two things i argue with people about and by that i mean i argue with people about everything but there are two main things i always stick to my guns about John Mayer, best guitarist of our generation. I'll always argue that. In that, I'm going to say this is also category one. Yep. Justin Bieber is amazingly talented. Doesn't make the best music, but he's amazingly talented. Lady Gaga is one of the most talented musicians in the world. Also makes garbage music. So, like, even if you hate her music, just know that she is still a bajillion percent more talented than anybody on the radio or anybody ever. I'll always talk about that. The other thing I'll always say is that like 3d movies are so freaking worth it because after avatar came out, when you're watching avatar, you feel like you're there, your stomach's dropping when the birds are flying because of the depth of field that he made. So if you go see avatar in 3d, if you go see any movie in 3d today and you take your 3d glasses off, I I could be reversing this. The foreground of the movie is never in 3D, is never, is always crystal clear. Yeah. The background of the movie is always fuzzy when you take your 3D glasses off. That's because when you're putting them on, the 3D is in the background projecting the foreground, something like that. 
I remember seeing bloody my bloody Valentine in 3D back in the day, and a couple things would pop out, would pop out, and that was fun. When you go to Disney or a museum, that might be fun. But since Avatar, every movie is now depth of field 3D, and you feel like you're there the whole movie, and there's nothing eye popping. It's just there. And yeah. I think that I talk to people who I'm like, oh, do you see this in 3D? And they're like, no, I don't like 3D. Like 3D makes my tummy hurt. And I'm like, when was the last time you went to a 3D movie? And they're like, 1997. And you're like, <laughs> we have computers this big. You don't think 3D has gotten better since then? Like go to a 3D movie. I saw it twice. I saw Ready Player One in IMAX 3D. And it was just- Also, I, mean, I, uh, I forget that you can still see 3D movies. Like I, um, there was a theater- there was one AMC near me right now that um, they were showing Eternals in 3D, and I was interested. Yeah, uh, we never, we never, we didn't, uh, my roommate and I never saw in 3D, but I was like, oh, so you, there are still some movies that have 3D showings. Oh, I saw. Um, it seems kind of rare. Guy, I saw Free Guy in 3D. Oh, how that was that? Like two months ago. Yeah, it was great. It was a lot of fun, and uh, I had the option of 3D or not 3D, and I was like, let's try it. It was a tinier theater, which you know. I mean, 3D, you have to see, like, on a big theater with good sound still to really make that whole thing. 4D is cool. I mean, when I, I was in Denver... I still gotta see that. I gotta try that. When I was in Denver, I saw Lion King in 4D, which was 3D, and then there were, like, the seats move, water sprays on you, there's fire in the movie theater. <laughs> oh, shit. And then the second one I saw, I think it was a Star Wars 4D, and the move... It was something that wasn't in 3D. But the like the whole 4D elements, the smell, the this and that. It's cool. The fact that you can like go to a local movie theater and be in like a Disney World experience is Yeah, like I actually agree with that because um you're right. It's like, you know, you pay a little bit of money, you may pay a little bit more than a regular ticket, but yeah, you get to have a little bit more fun. It's, and I don't know, have you ever I don't know if this was just at this one Jordan's furniture in Massachusetts. Probably not. They probably had multiple, but it was something called Mom. And it, it was, it was, it stood for like motion. So I don't know what it stood for exactly. Was but. that Redding? Was that the one in Redding? So there was that one in Redding. I think they had this, they had a similar thing going on, but they had basically one of the theaters they had was, um, they had, it was like the 40s. So they had the motion seats. They had like misting water. And I remember specifically going like my mom and grandpa, I think at one point, and like there was a SpongeBob, there was like a 30 minute SpongeBob short. And basically it was, it was like an episode, but it was more interactive. Like SpongeBob's like, oh, follow me. And like, you know, he was like directing like the camera and everything. And I remember it was so much fun. Cause like, again, the seat lined up to all the movements on camera. Yeah. Um, when they dove into the water, the mist would come up and like, yeah, it's just fun. Just a lot of it's fun. So much. Yeah. I'm waiting. I, I live closer to the Natick, <coughs> um, the Natick Jordan's furniture. Those are it's great not, theaters though. It's not open during COVID, but I grew up going to the one in Reading. I saw Noah there in IMAX. I saw the Polar Express in IMAX 3D. Saw an amazing documentary, Born to be Wild in IMAX 3D, about um, uh, orphaned orangutans and elephants in Africa. So that, and when you walk in, they have Fuddruckers, the, the jelly bean, the giant green monster eating the Yankees player. Oh, yeah. That place is just, I mean, every time you go, there's a new thing. There's water fountains, there's trapeze. Um, I'm waiting for those to reopen. Uh, but I, I probably experienced what you were talking about. Definitely. Um, do you remember going to um, uh, uh, Boston Museum of Science and seeing the Omni Theater? Yeah, the Omni Theater was awesome. That was literally the whole ceiling. Oh, that's one. Of the, that honestly might be one of the greatest theaters I've ever been in. Um, yeah. Because right, it, it, it's it's your yeah. peripherals. Even your peripherals, it's it's the yep. screen and the top. So like. You feel like you're you're there whenever they're showing. I think I actually, I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna go soon. I haven't been in like a yo, decade or two. We should yeah. we should go. Yeah. We, we should go because I'll be back in mass in like yeah. a week. So, um, 
That'd be great. Because I, I think last time I went there was like 2015 or 16. Um, I went with my family. I think it was like my dad's, my dad's birthday or something. And we were in Boston. So we went there and we saw a movie. I think we, we went to the Omni Theater. And, we're uh, still doing Omni? Yeah. Yeah. We saw like some like like a space shuttle movie. And like it was oh, just cool. cool my man. Nana saw a shark one there. That must have been cool. I Underwater like, stuff. Yeah. I've been thinking about Jaws 3 the whole time. The sharks are going to fall through. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> I remember you'd like that. Do, do they still, still do the intro in Boston? Remember the intro was always you on the T going through Boston. Oh yeah. yeah. I think they still do that. Yeah. I saw one about the history of movie making back in the day. So like oh God, how the original cool. King Kong was made and like the set design, all that, that was really cool. Um, yeah. So I, that's all I'm going to suggest is if you've listened to this podcast, even just this episode, you probably think I'm a real shitty film person because I, <laughs> I like I like Sharknado and all of that and don't care for No Country for Old Men and all of those, but just try one new 3D movie. Um, my only complaint is you can't like wear hipster glasses in 3D movies. Like I used to have like big glasses, like hipster glasses, even more hipster than these. Yeah. You go to like the movie theater and their 3D glasses are like this big. <laughs> hell yeah. So like, so like half of you is watching it. But yeah, 3D movies are just fun as hell. Um, the only thing I always recommend is there is a website called like to 3D or not 3D.com, which will tell you like if it's worth it, like is the depth how like they'll rate it. The depth is four out of five that this is four out of five. But oh, I'll yeah, tell yeah. you, um, uh, just uh, Google if it was filmed in 3D or not. Like if a movie is filmed in 3D, I think it's always worth seeing in 3D. Yeah. If it's converted, it's probably not. And they're trying to make a couple extra bucks out of it. But things that are filmed, I was talking to a coworker about this. Final Destination 5, phenomenal movie. Don't think about the other ones. Final Destination 5, one of the coolest endings too. Uh, really ties a lot together. That was the second movie to use James Cameron's cameras. So I remember seeing that in IMAX 3D. I remember reading about it. I remember reading about it. One of the cast members said that like, while you were shooting, if you're like hanging from a building, if your eyelash falls off and comes towards the camera, you have to reshoot the whole entire scene. Like the 3D cameras pick up everything. Oh, and like, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, super interesting. But yeah, that's a, that's a good point because you're right. If if something is actually filmed to be in 3D, the depth of field, everything is just gonna make it's just actually gonna look a lot better than trying to take something that existed prior and wasn't filmed in 3D, and they're trying to trying to bring other you know foreground elements to the front, and you know it might look a little bit more flat, you know, might not look as convincing. So, because I I I've seen enough 3D movies now. I remember seeing movies, you know, I saw, I remember seeing some movies that again were converted after some that were shot, and there's a there is definitely a big difference between the two. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you can definitely tell. And I mean, like, yeah. animated movies are usually pretty good because those are easier to convert and and kind of move over. Um, but I think it's. I mean, I saw Titanic in 3D. It came out in 2012. Yeah, they I remember that for the hundred year anniversary. I saw Jurassic Park in 3D. So even movies that clearly weren't filmed in 3D, they're still getting better at converting, and it's fun. Um, yeah, it's kitschy yeah so martyrs is great let's let's talk about society let's talk about because i i didn't think about it till you and i sat down tonight that really they're very similar movies they're very similar kind of meanings and and history behind them they're wildly different movies um very much i i part of society to me was funny and i was like laughing at how ridiculous it was and then part of it was like extremely graphic and gruesome um so here's another thing is, is I don't know why I'm shitting on myself so much in this episode. It's like, I'm a person who would rather watch like a way, way newer remake 
Like if you were like, hey, Mikey, like, you know, do you want to, I know you're like a big King Kong Godzilla, like 1950s guy. I'm like, I want to watch the 2021 version with green screens and explosions and Brian Cranston. Like, I want to watch that. I want cool stuff. Um, I remember seeing uh, there's three of the thing movies. There's one from like the 1950s. There's the John Carpenter one from the 60s, 70s, 80s. And there's one from 2011 with Eric Christensen Olsen um uh, uh joel egerton and then the woman from 10 cloverfield lane Mary elizabeth winstead that is technically actually a direct prequel to the original to the john carpenter one um oh yeah yeah you're did right you see that one the 2011 i was i didn't i was excited for it because i've been Love. a massive fan of the carpenter one for a long time and i and honestly i don't remember i it's been i haven't seen it like since 2011 but i yeah. I, I thought it was like pretty decent for the most part and the end of it leads up exactly to the first movie which was like so cool but also it's it's like it's also a remake it's also a lot of similar shots and a lot of monster yeah. similarities. even even the, even the plot structure kind of yeah. takes yeah a lot yep, of influence yep. from it and but when i saw that i had not seen the john carpenter I just went and saw that in theaters and then I went back and I I watched the John Carpenter one and I was like there's no way I'm gonna watch this it's gonna be a snore fest I'm gonna think the special effects are terrible how -hmm. can it compare to 2011 the John Carpenter one man I don't know how they did it but that movie and this movie too this movie was done in the 80s and I texted you during it and I said I I don't think I would watch this if it were made today because I don't think I could stomach it but for what it was back then, it was still extremely gruesome and extremely disturbing and pretty hard to watch because it's not just one scene. It It's a slowish buildup, but the whole third act of the movie is just the giant dinner orgy. <laughs> yeah, weird movie. I Let me give a little history quickly um, because so this director, Brian Usna, who made it, he... Um, he had produced a lot of movies in in the mid '80s for this other director, Stuart Gordon, who made Reanimator. Have you ever seen Reanimator? I have not. No. So I, I know of it, but I have not. Great movie. It's about like a crazed scientist who creates some kind of formula to reanimate corpses, and obviously that goes wrong. He brings back killer zombies, basically. Super cool mid '80s body horror movie. Um, so Brian Usna produced a lot of these movies for him. And he had some kind of deal where I guess they wanted Stuart to, or I'm sorry, they wanted Brian Usnett to direct, um, uh, direct a sequel to Reanimator. And he said, okay, again, like you were saying, one for them, one for me or whatever. He's like, I'll do that if I can make my movie and my movie was Society. So Society was, I think was his first, was his director of debut. And yeah, it came out in 89 and I know it came out in 89, um, I think in Europe and then it actually didn't come out into, into, into the United States until 1992 um, where it actually flopped. This movie flopped pretty hard in the States, but I know <laughs> in Europe it did really well, which ain't surprising because I know they're, they're into this kind of stuff. And uh, um, so, yeah, it's, it, it's fascinating. Like uh, uh, Brian Houston has a really unique history. I mean, he made this movie, but he also like helped make pen the story for uh, honey. I shrunk the kids. Like he just, Oh, cool. Yeah. He's had his hand. He's had his hand in a lot of stuff. Super, super creative dude. And, uh, um, I didn't even know about this movie until er- way earlier in the year. One of my roommates bought this on Blu-ray and I thought, I thought the cover was awesome. And that's kind of what I was like, Oh, this looks really cool. Like, um, let's check it out. And then I was like, Oh, this is what this movie is. Okay. Uh, oh, you just saw it this year. Yeah. Like back in like February of this year. 
had your roommate seen it a few times or was it new to him too new to him too and he was just recommended yeah. it by somebody else so it was kind of like a blind buy for him so like totally yeah. just like out of the woods like oh cool this looks unique um read a quick like synopsis for it and but yeah did not expect um especially the end did not expect any of that that, that craziness but um i don't know what were your some of your expectations and i guess like uh yeah like what do you would you think about at least at least like the first half of this movie too because to me it's almost like a uh, psychological like almost like detective-y kind of thing going on where yeah. we have yeah. our main character trying to uncover what's going on with this weird elitist family and going why, against his own family his yeah own why family. he why he doesn't fit in to, to, to any friend group or his family so you know yeah so it's when i read the imdb plot because you 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 specifically said like don't read ahead about it don't read anything and I read the IMDb thing and I think it said, it, I, I don't know how I read it, but I read when I read it, it was something like a guy comes home to his family and they're different than you think they were. And I read that it was a body horror movie, which I think I took more as like a body snatcher. So I think like, I haven't seen Cocoon. Cocoon's been on my list for a long time. Oh, I picture good movie. From, from what I know about Cocoon, I picture it's going to be that. Like this guy gets back from like spring break with his friends in high school and his parents have been abducted by aliens and it's like the faculty that's what i pictured it was yeah, and yeah. i also thought it was gonna be a movie where like the last scene was crazy but it's like i didn't picture the whole movie to be like that but basically it follows this main character bill whitney he lives with his parents and sister in a mansion in beverly hills he has a therapist that he's been telling that he's had these weird dreams about that his family is not who he thinks they are uh his sister's ex-boyfriend is like also kind of reading into everything he turns up dead and basically bill's just trying to figure out what the hell's going on in this town why his sister is is sleeping with his mom and dad i think that was one plot yes. line. that's so that, that, a little that's like one of the first big like reveals because um so his yeah bill's sister uh her her ex-boyfriend you know like he i think in the front of the first scenes he's like in her closet like recording her doing something and obviously that she freaks out he's still out of the house before he can explain himself and then later in the movie, um, he contacts Bill on the beach or whatever. And he's like, I have this audio recording. You need to listen to it. And, you know, he's like, no, nah, get the fuck away from me. Like, you know, you you already broke up with my sister. And that audio recording is, yeah, of of uh, his sister and, and mother and father all having sex, um, which obviously and, is just like totally surprising to him naturally. And she's um, just like turn 18 and is now being like inducted into some family thing and you don't know what yeah. it is and she keeps preparing for it and is like this is my future i'm now going to be doing this and like yeah and you're just kind of like what is this gonna be so i guess her having sex with her parents are they her actual parents um well at least at this point we assume they. i mean yeah i think i think yeah. it's always yeah i think so it is that fucked up then that she's sleeping with her oh yeah it's not like they were like from different families and no okay. yeah i don't think they're faking it or they're just pretending i know i think they are just they are they are just related um you know which is gnarly and weird and it's the 80s you know like i uh Gross. yeah i well again like what's i i like it a lot because i've i've said a billion times on this podcast i love psychological horror movies and obviously like that's a broad term it can mean a lot of things but in this case we're dealing with something I like because it just gives me anxiety and, and always makes me question stuff. But like characters in movies who nobody believes in them, like they, they, they're aware something is wrong and, and they get gaslit constantly. No, no, no. This is all in your head. You're, you're sick. You need help. When in the fact, therapist is like, trust me, you trust me, don't you? Yeah, exactly. I'm a therapist. Come yeah. on. You can trust me. So like, <laughs> yep. 
you know, and like there's some cool imagery. I know in the beginning he, um, Bill is actually with his therapist. He takes a bite of an apple and then there's like a bunch of like worms and, and centipedes and stuff in it. That's a gro- some gross imagery in the beginning. So what uh, is that? What's that message there? Were they in there? <clears throat> Honestly, I think if anything, that, that scene is kind of just more on the nose, like metaphor, yeah. like, Hey, like this is what's underneath you know, like, you know, a pretty apple, but underneath it's dark. And, you know, like, I think, cause that's the whole point of the movie where it's like on the surface, everything looks fine and dandy, but underneath there's a lot of dark shit going on. I think the therapist might've also been doing that to now he's going to go home and tell everybody he saw a worm in his apple. So now when he tells everybody that his family's having sex with each other and eating other people, they're going to think he's crazy and that he's, yeah. you know, like he was like yeah. a boy cried wolf kind of thing a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like, so, I mean, so that's what I, I liked a lot originally or at first about the movie is yeah like Bill is just like oh, he's a one man band he's on his own other than you're right the ex boyfriend who does end up getting killed <clears throat> he's on his own nobody thinks anything is wrong with his family or society the audio at large. recording goes missing somehow <clears throat> and gets destroyed and now he has no proof left yeah well yeah. if I'm not, I, I'm trying to remember um I think he does he not give the audio tape to the therapist because he trusts he confides in the he therapist does, and he's like. Yeah. Yeah. listen to this and then yeah when he plays it back he's like what he's like it's completely normal nothing's going on which yep. was definitely a mistake on his end uh handing over the one copy of that yep. but but like can you blame him if like your sister's <laughs> ex-boyfriend comes to you and is like hey you know our parents are rich they're so rich that they do all this you're just kind of like get the fuck out of here <laughs> yeah by the time you learn that it's true you're like well i should have kept the evidence um but the movie i i would say the first half of it is not that intense it's more of that kind yeah. of mystery kind of double film kind of separate where it's kind of the mystery and it's just like he's repetitively being like mom and dad you're crazy and they're like no son everything's perfect in this family and uh but like that they sound like that you know they're just like what like nothing's going on you know like they just Pleasant, have this pleasantville yeah very like pleasantville and yeah and i, I and don't then, yeah i don't know who the actors are but the Actors that play her parents are great. They just, they fit the role perfectly. Um, and then we get to the third act of the movie where him and his best friend, right? Excuse me. So early on my time too, but it's dark here now. Oh it's yeah. It's dark here at five in New England. So um, you're like just waking up over there. Um, so is that going to say? Yeah. <laughs> Not that so early, I, yeah, I know you're saying. I guess the third act is what? Him and his friend decide to infiltrate the party to find out if it's true or not. And like his friend, like beats up the bodyguard outside and takes his police. That was my only problem with the whole movie. The only problem with the whole movie is him and his friend infiltrate the party after they've been shunned from the party. His friend beats up the cop who's patrolling the outside and securing everything. Then puts the guy's hat on the police hat on and shows up at the party and is just standing behind everything happening going. Yeah. And everybody's just like, oh, fake cop. Okay. And he's just showing up. He's like, and nobody does anything to stop him. That was my only, besides most of the movie, that was my only problem with this movie. And now I'm just, I'm remembering now too. So yeah, I don't think that um, the ex-boyfriend doesn't die until this final scene, right? He is like. No, he dies early because he gets like hit by a car or something earlier. Oh, okay. Yeah, he does. Yeah. So yeah, he's he's with his other friend and. Yeah, and that's and, uh, where he gets the audio recording. He asks the cop who's like uh, zipping up the bag. He's like, oh, that's actually my tape deck. Can I get it from you? And uh, yeah, yeah. But you know, I agree because like um, at this point, so Bill already knows or at least knows all this, this crazy body morphing weird orgy is happening. So like 
you're right. He kind of in- reinserts himself back in without uh, like a, a plan, really. Like th- there is no like, like, oh, how am I going to get out of here? And when they know that I'm not a real cop, when they know that I'm just like, or I'm just here yes. watching all this, <laughs> you know, like, so yeah. It's uh, just but- like, I mean, imagine like a movie, like, uh, 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 what horror movies have we talked about? For, who's I always confuse Friday the Thirteenth. Okay, imagine Halloween where Michael Myers is just killing everybody in town, and there's one person just showing up as he's killing everybody, going, "Yeah, right." And Michael Myers is just ignoring him and just like he's, he's like, "I'll deal with you later." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so he shows up at the party. So this this movie is so fucking relevant because over the last few years. Bernie Sanders has helped bring to our our eyes as as have a lot of a lot of different people that basically the rich are ruling the world can do whatever they want get away with whatever they want Jeff Bezos is going to space but can't pay his people more than $15 an hour um you know all of these billionaires out there are doing nothing for the good of the earth or the world in my eyes anytime they're ever donating anything it's because their press agent and managers are saying hey you just made a million dollars to take a shit in the last minute. Why don't you donate that to some charity? <laughs> oh yeah. So, and, and it's, I think what's ironic about this movie. I don't, I don't know if eat the rich. That's been a big like hashtag this year. People are saying eat the rich, eat the rich and all of that. And I don't know if that's been around since the eighties, but that's what I found so interesting about this movie is like, this movie is literally about rich people. I don't want to say suck, sucking dry lower class people and feeding off of them because they're just peasants to them and nobody will miss them. And they're there for nothing besides feeding. But that's essentially what this movie is. Yeah. Rich like they, um, <clears throat> I guess a good word, it would be like, they're almost like melding like their bodies, like as they're having an orgy, their bodies are like, like their hands are morphing into each other. Their faces are morphing into each other until they just like, you know, well, again, if you're watching this, you can see Mike's background. Their, their faces are like deformed and like eyes are melting into very each other. much like the thing yeah, where it, they like attach to each other in the thing and they're like sucking and like their faces are. But what was the point of it in this? Is that how they eat? Is that how they feed? Is that how they get stronger? Well, yeah, is that I, how their skin complexion stays? <laughs> well, to me, I again, I, I assume that that's sort of like the the over the top, the um the very on the nose meaning where it's like quite literally the rich people are it's kind of like again how we, we we said like there's conspiracies about like how the rich drink the blood of the innocent drink the blood of the youth to stay bleeding young. us dry bleeding us yeah dry. so yep. it's a it's yeah. a very yeah. direct like they're literally melding with with other people and you know maybe like taking in their their life force to to remain young to to remain vital to stay young for a long time so that, that's kind of what i got out of it um but yeah, like this ending, because really, like you said, the first half, you know, not nothing too crazy, like nothing too like um, graphic, and then up until these final like 20, 30 minutes, it just becomes honestly one of the most like grotesque body horror related things ever. Like really, it, it's it's yeah. it, it's up there yeah. with the thing. As and that's good. I'm glad you brought that up because it really has that those same kind of effects. I, I mentioned earlier too. Um, uh, there's a, a VFX artist. Scre- or she goes by the name Screaming Mad George. And she had actually worked on um, other John Carpenter movies. She worked on uh, Big Trouble Little China. Oh, cool. uh, she worked on Predator, um, Nightmare on Elm Street, Three Dream Warriors, which is to me one of the best best uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movies. So she's worked on a, a, a done visual and special effects on a variety of really kind of notable '80s and '90s movies. So this was, and this movie obviously was after after she had done Predator, after she had done Big Trouble Little China. So like 
this is such a good like feat of of practical like, grotesque practical effects like she's done nothing since beyond reanimator in 2003 oh really okay what has she been working on Ooh, let me see i'm looking now yeah she she oh she tells from the hood yeah so like really like 80s and 90s she uh, late mid 80s to like the late 90s she was doing a lot of a lot of cool stuff a lot of cool horror movies Oh, oh from a, from Japan. That's Brian cool. the Reanimator. That's the one that Brian Yusen directed. That's when he he was able, or he directed that so he can make society. Um, oh, there's three Animator movies too. Yeah, I'm, and I've listened to the first one. Um, they, they've been working. It's in 2013. There was a sequel written called Society Two Body Modification. Uh, so for eight years now, they've been trying to get a sequel off the ground. I don't know if they. I don't know if they can make this today. Wait for Society. Society, a sequel. Yeah, because yeah. to me, I, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I, you know, it, well, maybe you do, because it, it, this just feels very much like a late '80s body horror movie. It's very much of its time, um, which again, I, I think mostly works in its favor. Ooh, I think. Little think buddy. Griswold probably heard like wind. Yeah, I think. Uh, well, that's something else I wanted to talk about. We talked about martyrs being called psychological horror, also borderline torture porn. This movie is called body horror or body modification. That's newer to me as a title of a genre. And also, I haven't seen a lot of. So what else falls into the body horror genre? Um, what other movies? Well, wait, wait, wait. So like you said body horror and body modification being two separate like terms uh no i guess one so like on wikipedia society is a 1989 american body horror film so when you click on body horror i guess my my well, question is like what what else falls into that yeah i mean there's a lot of movies i would say i would say the thing obviously we already talked about that um you said frankenstein that's showing up on here i know some oh um what's that one it's a peter jackson movie brain dead also called dead alive oh have you seen that wild that's one that's one of the craziest movies ever yo wait i'm thinking of two i've seen them both okay so, so there's you're talking peter jackson old movies right um yeah this i think this one's from like the 90s so uh, there's the the bad brain one which is the aliens right that like yeah. walk around just eat so there's hold on let me look it up yeah but yeah bad, so, bad taste bad taste that, that's like one of his first movies and then follow follow up following up with that movie was uh dead alive also called brain dead that's the sure. one i know that's the one with like the the zombies and the lawnmower and everything right yeah i've seen both dead alive i know i own that one sticks more to me than than anything yeah oh i was gonna ask you this earlier you're you're more knowledgeable in the film space than i am i was gonna ask you this earlier oh also um, the um, the fly the 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 80s one with jeff Goldman. I, i'd consider that body horror like i've never seen it so yeah, I I mean really I would just say like any oh it's good and also I need to I know the end it, so I want to see it for that oh the ending is crazy man uh, yeah um that that's something there's a notable there's a good amount of eighties body horror really it's the end where there's like a huge reveal some grotesque reveal um that's one of the best ones as far as as these kind of movies go um just because that one's horrifying all I remember is like his head literally like splits in two and then like a fly's head pops out it's just it's horrifying it's fucking gross See, from what i've seen it seems gruesome so let me ask you this because you're 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 more in the biz than i am peter jackson recently directed that beatles documentary um for hulu maybe um uh uh yeah peter jackson right yeah i think it was him or because there's, there's a new one on on disney plus is that the one there's like six out right now that are, <laughs> that are out uh hold on, let me look it up the beatles get back tv series documentary he's producing that and then i think let me see if he's directing it 
my question is 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 separate than this but let me let me yeah let me ask this question for you let's see close when you're directing an archival movie like that I, I don't know. Maybe I'm sure the movie has interviews with with Paul and Ringo and stuff like that. But my question for you is, how do you direct an archival documentary? How do you direct it? I was watching a stop motion animated show on Hulu earlier. Yeah. Crossing Swords. Very funny. How do you direct that? Are you just putting the pieces together and telling the oh. editor what to do? So, oh, so like, in, so not even, so in the case of just like archival stuff or like, or like this and like animated stuff and. Yeah, separately. I'm curious about both. Well, yeah, I mean, so I would say like, yeah. So, I mean, the, every every director on any movie, you know, they're. I think there's different levels to like how much they're actually doing. Like, obviously, someone like a Michael Bay, like he's very much in the action. Like he'll go up with the stunt guys. He's not just behind, like way in the back in like a tent, you know, or whatever. Like just he he's like with all the action. Like, all right, guys, like here's what's gonna happen. Like yeah. you know. And not every director does that. Not you know even actor uh, action directors. But I think in the case of like um, when it comes to like documentaries like this, I mean they're so I think they're doing still a lot of the heavy work. And obviously there's so many departments they they got they got to work on to to make sure their vision's good. Because so, if you think about like if we're thinking about stop motion, I mean there there's not just the animators. There's the people. There's the set designers. There's the this this extra VFX because they you know now most stop motion they still add some CGI in there some layering. Uh, there's the music department, there's sound, there's Foley. Like there's still all these other departments that the director has to kind of individually, I guess, like monitor and, and work with to achieve like their vision. Um, Cause so it's, I, I, yeah. it's producing in a way too. a lot of the organization, the calling the shots, the tasks, yeah. it's all of that. Cause also when you're producing, some producers just throw money at something and say, give me some return. Other producers are on set and working on things. Um, right. And I, right. I know a lot of, a lot of directors only will direct a movie once every four or five years, because when you're directing a movie for three or four months, you're also editing, you're in the editing suite. So you'll film for 13 hours and then the cast goes home and the crew and then you're sitting in the editing bay with the editor for the next six hours watching, you know, that as well. So that's why, you know, you see somebody, you go, why haven't they directed anything in six years? And you're like, well, they took four months where they didn't sleep or see their families. I mean, <laughs> yeah. they, they need time. But that was a question for me. I guess stop motion makes a little more sense because you're directing the voiceover actors and the this and that. But I don't understand, like, what makes Peter Jackson directing the new Beatles thing the director? That's what I... Yeah, well, I mean, like, again, like, he's still ultimately calling the shots for what we see on screen. So, like, anything yeah. we see, it's like, all right, that was Chancellor, that was him saying approving or disapproving certain things. But that's, that's a great question. I'd almost like to, like, see behind the scenes of that, too. Like, I, like yeah. what went into that? Like, what, yeah, what, what were you doing exactly to achieve this final product? And I, I know Peter Jackson has made a, a number of documentaries now. Did you ever see... Um, he made one like back in 2018 and it was really cool because it was, uh, he took archival footage from like world war one and, and, uh, him and his team, I think at Weta, they, uh, digitally revamped and colorized old footage. And oh, cool! it was amazing. Like he brought to life, you know, hundred year old footage and it looks amazing. They uh, shall not grow old. They shall not grow old yet. Awesome. I've been wanting to see that for a long time. I love when people are, are color colorizing and digitalizing. Oh, stuff. and, and all so the cool. sounds they like, it's cool. Cause they literally talk about how they did it too. 
and you know like even all the little sounds like like they were so accurate like oh hey in this one clip this guy he bangs like an old spoon on a table they like found the old table and like got like a replica of the spoon like that's how like exact they were so that's like, cool that's so very e- cool. even the sound effects are all accurate to, to the exact materials that were in the shots like the people talking they got actual voice actors to like with the right accents and everything like it was the level of detail to 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 bring in these you know, like to revamping these uh, shots for, or these clips were amazing. Um, I think I'm passionate, but also lazy. Where if I were Peter Jackson, I was like, find me this table. And they're like, all right. And then like a day later, I was like, where is this table? And they're like, we're working on it. I'd be like, ah, eh, fuck it. Let's just use one from craft. <laughs> like, yeah. Good idea. That's fine. Let's, let's just get going. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's cool. I want to get back into Peter Jackson because I'm looking at his thing right now. Uh, I would love to watch meet the feebles. I don't think I've ever seen oh, that. I haven't seen that either. I've his, never his, seen the Frighteners. The Frighteners was good. He, his um, yeah. his nineties output is really good because he also made um, I'm forgetting the name. He has a movie with Kate Winslet. In the, oh, like, which one's that? It's it's like mid nineties, I think, mid or late nineties. Really cool movie. Forgotten though. Silver, Heavenly Creatures, Heavenly Valley Creatures, the, Heavenly Creatures. Yeah, yeah, that's a good movie. I have to, I would love to rewatch that again. Uh, and then obviously, like I said, you know, Dead Alive is one of the nastiest, craziest movies ever. That movie is fantastic. You're like, that's the Lord of the Rings guy. Which is yeah. wild, yeah, because he went from yeah. I mean, really, his he has one of the most unique filmographies ever. Um, yeah, I'm jealous. I'm jealous. So <laughs> yeah, so I guess to to wrap up, what happens at the end of society is there's a giant orgy where they suck dry. I'd imagine in my head they're doing it to stay youthful. You know, Jeepers Creepers takes your eyes so he can have your eyes. Yeah. Imagine society, these people, these rich people who are at 60 and 70 look young and fit and have tight skin. I imagine this is them sucking the youth out of these people. I I imagine they're they're doing it for a reason, right? Yeah, yeah. I th- I, th- and I think that is quite literally the reason. And again, like, um, it, and maybe the fact that it wasn't explained maybe is somewhat of a fault of the movie where it's like, like, oh, yeah, they're, they're rich. And, you know, that's what rich people do. They, they suck the life force <laughs> out of all of us plebeian, you know, uh, heathens. And it's like, but in the case of the movie, it's like, all right, but is it for, is it literally because they need our bodies to, to stay youthful? Or is it just one big because metaphor? They is yeah, because they, they can. Because they can. Which is, I guess, both equally yeah. scary. Um, yeah. But again, I, yeah. Uh, oh, sorry, we're going to say? I was just going to say, uh, 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 I'll try to keep this short. I think it reminded me a lot of They Live as well. Um, oh, definitely. They Live is a great 80s movie about a guy who finds sunglasses that aliens left behind. And when he uses them, he can read what advertising really is. So there might be a cigarette billboard up that says, you know, like, you could be cool if you smoke cigarettes. And then when he puts the glasses on, it says, like, consume, consume. It's such like, a cool movie. Uh, it's such a cool movie. I, I think it gets a lot of flack because of that one line, I'm here to chew bubblegum and kick ass and I'm all about bubblegum. It's like a very like Arnold Schwarzenegger character mixed into an alien movie. But like, and they even tried to like slightly remake it a few years ago. It wasn't as good. Um, no, that's but, a movie you can't remake. And that, that's another classic John Carpenter movie. Like it's fantastic movie. And just like you can, he could tell which people are the aliens and which are not and how to like kill off the fake people on our planet. So it reminded me a lot of this very similar in terms of like one guy getting to the bottom of the, the things. I mean, and I'd almost say as far as just cause I was talking about this with the coworker escape from tomorrow was that movie illegally filmed in Disney world. About oh. like what really goes on behind the scenes at Disney World, and one guy discovering when you peel back each layer what it's like. I, I like those movies a lot. Yeah, you just it just makes you think completely differently. Next time I see a rich person, I'm gonna be like, "What are you? 
what do you really do at Christmas time? <laughs> well, I think like, it, it's hard not to because we, especially nowadays, where like our social elite look basic. You know, we don't. It's not like high society in the past where the rich wore the most extravagant clothing. Now Mark Zuckerberg wears a hoodie that I'd wear, and he drives a car that I drive. They 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 blend in. And that's almost... I'm the same way. If I got rich and famous, I'd be in sweatpants and a sweatshirt even yeah. more than I am now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's almost like a bragging right. Be like, I'm this rich and I can afford to just dress like this. But it, it, if anything, it's almost like it almost makes you question things. I'm like, are you trying to hide something? Are you trying to almost act normal to hide something? Because especially in the case of Zuckerberg, everyone makes you know this memes up memes for days about him being a robot and not being a real person. And you know, you watch interviews with him, and there's something that seems just off. You know. What um, does a normal person wear? Yeah. <laughs> Sweatshirt and jeans. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. but I guess one thing too, um, just to wrap it up too, like um, the sort of, again, the, the unintended similarities because we didn't, re- we didn't recommend these movies because, oh, hey, they're kind of similar. No, we just did it. Yeah. But there are some similarities in that we have these, these very, these elites in their ivory towers who are able to enact and do these wild tasks and get away with it. So in the case of martyrs, they have hypotheses. this, yeah, they have this institution where they're able to torture people and, and women specifically in order to, to understand, uh, some transient, some, some afterlife. And then we have, in this case, uh, rich elitists who are able to emerge bodies and in gross ways, you know? And like, did, did we see the unemerging, the demerging, the non-merge? I don't know what the opposite uh, yeah. of merging is. I don't, think, I don't think so. Because I, th- I, think, I think they just escape. Uh, so I think Bill at the end of this movie, he escapes with, with that, his girlfriend or like his, his love interest in the movie. That yeah. He, yep. And then they escape. And that's kind of the end of the movie. I don't think we ever see what really happens to this. Uh, Does his friend escape? The guy in the cop outfit? I, th- I think he dies, honestly. I think he gets sucked into it all. Um, it was very, it was one of those things where kind of like The Walking Dead, like in The Walking Dead, when it's just zombies, you're like, how does anybody get bitten by a zombie? Like, all you have to do is just go, Whoop, and you don't get bitten. Uh, like in this movie, there were so many scenes where they were just like watching it happen and could have left. And then people would be like, you're next. And then they would keep eating somebody for 16 more minutes. And it's like, how, how do you get eaten by these people? How do you not get away? Just book it to the door, run, man. Even Bill was like semi-tied up and the girl like kind of helped him set free. And then he was like, okay, I'm just going to walk out of here. But that's my question is like when the sun rises the next day, how do people disassemble? How do they go back to their human form? Like, how do you detach from people and then just... But I think, yeah, it just the whole entire thing was just rich people can do whatever they want, hide evidence of anything they want. They run everything. They run the therapist. They run the the police. They They, run. They create the rules. They create. They create. You know everything like that. Yeah, which is is horrifying. You know, and and it's like yeah. So, I don't think it's far from the truth. Yeah. Yeah. So now, next time you see an article that says, "How does J Lo look so good at 50? How's J-Lo so fit at 50? How does she look so youthful? You're like, well, it could be because she has a personal trainer, a personal chef, a personal Botox person, an in-home gym, and an in-home sauna. Or once a year, she has a wild, giant, rich orgy where she sucks the life out of poor people. Middle yeah. middle class trash. <laughs> yeah. I, I can believe both. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I wonder what the cost would be. Like, what what level of money do you have to be a part of this party versus being a victim of this party? I mean, I assume you got to you got to be probably in like the billionaire club at this point. 
Like, Billionaire. Yeah, yeah. you, you got to be so far removed from from most people, you know. I'd like prequels. I'd like prequels where like you see Bill's dad getting inducted into here, and like maybe he also was like, "I don't want a part of this," and then right, came... and then he became like a pawn. <laughs> Like rich yeah. but still a pawn, you know, like yeah. And then his face was sticking out of somebody's ass and he was like, All right. Yeah. <laughs> it was like dumb and dumber, the scene where he comes out of the, the rhinoceros. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh wait, no, that was um Ace Ventura, right? Ace Ventura, yeah, the second yeah. one, right? It's like, Hello. Yeah. <laughs> it's hot in there. Um yeah, I, I think it's funny that we pick these. I wonder if next time we do this to we uh we do this uh this uh theme, I wonder if we're gonna wind up doing something with extremely similar I know, and I think we should yeah. we should keep it similar. We don't we don't intend to have a uh, to have anything related. We just nope. We pick a movie, pick yeah. pick something fucked up, obscure, weird. I'll pick something yeah. up fucked up, obscure, weird, and we'll see we'll see what happens. Because that's the thing. We came into this not knowing much about the other person's movie, so it's not like we could have picked up on this theme. No, yeah. not at all. Yeah, that was not intended. Not so martyrs and society. I know I found society pretty easy to rent on my TV. I think martyrs is pretty easy to find, right? Yeah, I, I'm trying to remember. I I think I did rent it. I rented it for like two, three dollars or something like that. It might have been on Amazon. Um, I'm not sure um, if it is available for streaming, like on Amazon Prime or or like as far as like for free with the subscription. But you can yeah. you can definitely find it easily. Just make sure you're watching the 2008 version. Yes, yeah, so 2008. I mean, yeah. Check out the re- the remake. Let me know what you think. I, yeah, I think I'm gonna check it out because I. That one actually might be available to watch with a Prime subscription. I could see that. Yeah. yeah. So I might check that one. I'm I'm interested. I'm like that. That's, you know, like that seems like a hard movie to remake and still keep the same energy and 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 gr- brutality intact. So plus, you know that like when it's being made in America, you have producers there who are like, "Can we not do this scene? Oh, if we yeah. want to make it theatrical, we have to hold back on this." And they're like, "Okay, like, can fine. We, can, yeah. can we make Martyrs but PG thirteen? <laughs> <laughs> You're like. So cut out the whole second half. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, uh, that's funny. Well, uh, we are the wheelie Otis podcast. We're going to try to make a few more coming up. I know Tom's flying back for the holidays. Um, I'll be going up to New Hampshire for a few days for the holidays. We're going to try to get another episode or two, maybe this month. Um, and then, yeah, check us out. We, we recently looked into our analytics. We have, I think, what was it? 224 downloads altogether. And, uh, um, 264. Let me, let me bring up the exact image. You sent it to me. I think we have two, 272 at the 272. moment. 272. And then, let me see. Let's see where we are. Um, let me, I just want to talk about where we have. I, I want to give a shout out to our listeners across the world. Let's see. We have 272 downloads um that is very cool we have 10 percent of listeners in boston seven percent new hampshire where i'm from six percent in georgia where you were living four percent in denver where i was living um and then 91 percent of people in the united states three percent in france one percent in mexico we have Hell four yeah. four listeners in indonesia two in germany one in australia one in the netherlands and one in the philippines which i believe goes to say that tom and i are going to be doing a tour an yeah. international tour of our podcast hell yeah all <laughs> five of you better show up <laughs> <laughs> very tiny places in germany and indonesia will be coming to but all, no, for, so- for, for real though like anyone who in any who, who who anyone who's listening thank you um yeah because i know i know we're inconsistent we're, we're trying to be better trying to be more consistent trying to get episodes on a weekly basis um you know, it's hard sometimes, but we're, you know, I know 2022, I think we're going to be a lot more on top of things because 
for the most part, since September, I mean, we, we, we were on a good run for, for September, October. Um, and then because of my move and some other things, we, you know, had to delay for a couple of weeks. But, hey, as long as you keep coming back, you, you know, we're, we'll keep coming back to it, essentially. You know, it's like as long as we're not dropping it for, for too long, you know. We'll post more on our social. We need to post more and talk about what we're excited for in, in between episodes. Um, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. Follow us at the com where you can find all the places we're streaming um spotify apple wherever youtube watch the video on youtube if you got a couple hours or just listen to it in the background uh play it on youtube youtube gives us some some better plays versus you know spotify and, and apple and and all of those um and then share it with your friends you know we're either wheelie otis podcast or the wheelie otis podcast on facebook instagram twitter um if you're a sponsor and you want your products getting out to 90% of America and 4% of Germany and Indonesia <laughs> where your market um yeah world tour coming soon yeah oh my god that'd be so cool anyway thanks for coming on we're gonna have some guests soon we're gonna talk home alone we're gonna talk video game movies we're gonna talk uh uh something else at some point in the near future I want to do a whole separate podcast on yellow jackets because that's how much I love that show <laughs> I mean, really, at this point, I feel like we spend so much time talking about, you know, like uh, recent watches or television yeah. shows. Yeah, I mean, I figure we could even have like a, a separate one, maybe more geared towards television and just do just do um, like new shows. Like we could do like week by week, like individual episodes or do full season reviews, anything like that. That'd be... I would love to do a full season. Talk about well, it at the end. I know for yeah. sure we'll eventually do one for the boys because um, yes. like. I know, I know season three is going to come out next year. We'll definitely do a recap of probably season one and two with a guest. Yep. Um, so that'll be a ton of fun because that show is awesome. So, yeah. Yes. Exciting stuff for sure. Thank you all. Go see Society and Martyrs, but know that it's going to give you nightmares. As, yeah, as so be brave, careful. As brave as you think you are. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah, thank you again, guys, for listening. And until next time, take care. <laughs>